0: I also want to bring to you Yukanuba Sporting Dog, the Premium Performance 3020 Blend. For the last 50 years, Yukanuba has created premium nutrition that unlocks the power and potential within, from the unstoppable performance of the sporting dogs to the life saving abilities of working dogs to the incredible companionship of service animals and family pets. Check out Yukanuba Sporting Dog today and go pick up a bag of the 3020 premium performance blend and guys last but not least i want to thank my phillies lion country supply and garmin fish and hunt go check them out today for the spring training season all right so just a couple of things couple of thoughts couple of announcements you know i got to open up the podcast with this guy so we are making serious, serious, serious strides and headway with the Minority Outdoor Alliance Incorporated. Um, so if y'all don't mind, I need y'all to do me one huge favor. Um, to my listeners and supporters and, and everybody that has been, you know, here to, to support the podcast. I mean, for however long I've been doing this at this point now, guys, go over on your Instagram profile All right. Go over and type in Minority Outdoor Alliance. All right. One word, Um, no underscores, no anything like that. And go ahead and start following the Minority Outdoor Alliance to get updates on what we're doing. Um, You know, as the weeks go by, I really want to. You know get the ball rolling well on this and we've got a lot of support coming in from a, a number of different directions so stay tuned and, and, and kind of keep that in your uh, periphery and we'll move that to the front of the vision very 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 soon all right guys so it looks like i didn't figured out where my next point is gonna come from um and i mean that you know most of y'all know you you figured out my personality you know i can't tell too much Left or right, you know, up down and, and which dog I want to get what day and and and, and from what kennel and breeder. But this go round, I'm actually sure about this one. Um mainly because I pretty much um, followed, you know, our our guest today. I've followed him for a very long time actually. Um, and just have fallen in 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 love with the way that his dogs look. Um, and just really enjoy the dog work. I mean, it's crispy clean, man. But anyway, um, our guest today is Sergio Velez of Boss Kennels. And I think you guys are going to have a great time um, listening to all the the gems and wisdom that, that Sergio drops. Um, but overall, man, he's just a solid dude. Like, it's, it's, it's good to talk to good dudes. So anyway, um, I want you guys to, to just... Hear it in his voice, man. I know that sounds weird because y'all listen to podcasts every week, but like, it's just something. It's it's something different in that recipe, man. Sergio knows something we don't know, man. I don't I don't know what it is. I I, at one point in the podcast, you know, I, I make a reference to cooking and black folk having you know them little ingredients that just make that food a little bit, just a little bit different. Got a little little kick to it, man. But anyway, Sergio's dogs have that. I don't know what the secret recipe is, but what I do know is. Um, is that he loves what he's doing and he is a model for the type of field trial and type of dog man that I could only aspire to be Um, so of course it makes sense that when these borders open up I need to be getting a puppy from Boss Kennels so I'm settled on that I actually like that idea and I got the wife's approval as well anyway guys up next on the podcast is Mr. Boss Kennels himself Mr. Sergio Velez and guys, just 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 hang in there with us, man. You know, I like these good long episodes for all this great information. And I can talk to Sergio for a lot a lot longer. So anyway, here you go with another episode of the Gun Dog Notebook Podcast. We're gonna get to rocking and rolling. Well, um, did you first of all, before we even get in, actually I'll I'll open up the conversation with this part. Then how about we go ahead and record? Three, two, one, all right, we're going. All right, Mr. Velez, Mr. Velez. Now, in light of recording for this podcast, I found you because I couldn't help but find your dogs. I just couldn't <laughs> help but see that. So were did 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 you did was the person that was coming to look up a puppy did it did he get it or did he not? Because if not, then I'm coming to get it tomorrow. <laughs>
1: It, yeah, they, they are coming to get it, the pup tomorrow, actually. She just came. She came with her daughter. And, uh, you know, it's it's a bit of a bummer because it's a puppy. It's the last puppy I have available out of a, a very exciting breeding. Um, actually, our best nick um, that we have. And uh, all these dogs, all these puppies had deposits before they were mm-hmm. they were born um but you know as as everybody is aware um once the whole covid thing hit um borders closed and there's no more shipping of puppies or flying or i mean so i got stuck with the litter and i held on to them as much as i could yeah um you know trying to kind of see cuz they keep giving 30 more days notice for the border to reopen right mm-hmm. that they creeps up and they say another 30 days and then it comes up and another 30. days. So it's been like this for three months now. Um, and, uh, you know, it just gets to a point where I'm keeping three here and it gets to a point where if they're too many, you're just not putting, dedicating and you know, the right amount of time, the adequate amount of time to a puppy to develop them properly. Right. uh and it becomes unfair for for the pup um so it got to the point where i had to start finding some local homes uh, which is difficult because on the contrary of the state um the pointer up here is not a very popular breed mm-hmm. um, even though in my opinion they make absolutely fantastic pets uh, or companions you know someone that wants to just have either a sporting dog to go hiking, uh, whatever activity they choose to do, or to go hunting the odd weekend of the year. Right. uh, You know, they require exercise as any other sporting breed, but they have really good temperaments and everybody that has taken, you know, props from us just for a pet or a family companion has been thrilled about it. But it's, it's not really what our goal is for breeding, right? So it's been it's been a tough process but yeah so this one was the last one of of the bunch for that is going for a family so just you know to enjoy the dog as a as another family member type of thing
0: okay all right well i uh and that leads me to my next point but i i promise you okay when these borders open up you you, you let me know how much your deposit is
1: (laughs) oh yeah yeah be- Before you do that, man, I'm gonna have you come up okay. and come chucker hunt.
0: Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. You have a, you have a a deal, okay? And I, I don't like okay. to um, I don't like to make you know series series promises, but that's a promise I got I got to keep, man. All right, that man. one there. You you know, I, I've been mm-hmm. wanting to chucker hunt, but I've never been to Canada. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just a lot of good things, and then just to see your dog work, which you know, leads me into the next piece. So I just, I could not stop looking at how snappy your dogs are. We were talking about that the other day and, right, you know, and, and you kind of alluded to this a second ago, but just having a smaller breeding program has allowed mm-hmm. you to dedicate the time, the amount of time that you needed to these mm-hmm. dogs, you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, one one thing that 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 you you know you know about black folks in the state, we always got a little secret recipe to, to food and stuff like that. Yep. What what yep. what's the secret recipe, man? What what you putting in these dogs, man?
1: You know, it's a secret that it's not really a secret to any um, bird dog man. Um, you get out of them what you put into them, mm-hmm. right? And the more time you have to put into them, the more you're gonna get out of them. And you know, going to that secret idea, I start handling my puppies from a very early age, um, not just you know putting them on on the bench, um, bringing them in the house uh, one by one, um, exposing them in the field to the horses to birds. I start goofing around with them with a, a pigeon on on a harness right at six weeks old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the ones that get a little bit more shy because you know they're basically the same size as a bird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know I I tie the wings on the bird and just you know just playful stuff. Let them jump on the bird and get kind of that that drive going. Mm-hmm. But you know, and I think that that goes maybe not against purposely people that don't do that at such an early age. Although I'm a firm believer that you start building that foundation right from the get-go. Right. Um, but a lot of people are still of the opinion that, you know, they just let them be puppies. Um, and then once they're four or five, sometimes six months old, um, they'll start playing with them more with the birds and, and all that stuff. Here, because I do have that bit of time, the handling starts happening right at the eight-week-old mark. Um I take them in the field. I take some birds and they start coming with me. I flush some birds off the bag for them. Mm -hmm. They all chase and I holler at them. They all come back and they know exactly what's going to happen. Another bird's going to come out. Um, So, and besides being something that I do believe that it's, it's a strong, uh, a strong program in the sense of a a strong, creates a strong foundation. Mm -hmm. um, It gives me a lot of pleasure. Right. I really, really, <laughs> I really enjoyed the whole puppy thing. Then it's, it's definitely my. It's where I take the most out of the whole training of a dog. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, once they're once they're mature, they're broke. Then it's the thrill is a completely different thrill. It's the the finds the, you know, uh, what they did to get to that find and the pieces of the puzzle the dog had to put together to get to that and and all that. But uh, yeah, completely different thrills and. Some people don't really have so much patience for the whole puppy thing. I right. really, I get a kick out of it.
0: <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I had a buddy of mine and, and it's always, you know, good fun and games. But um, a, a very close friend of mine, matter of fact, he told me, he was like, I I I, I have puppies. He was like, but I don't like them. I just, I, I don't like training the puppies. Not not done like the puppies, but just the... the oh, I get
1: it. I totally know, get it, man.
0: Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, and I... I get it, man, but I like pups, man. Yeah, same here. Because at that point, there's no, there's really no limit to what they're gonna soak up, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: And you start seeing the difference between, like, the the personalities that mm -hmm. just start changing so much between one and the other, and how much they change individually, even. Right. Like it's really, it's really something, man.
0: Like, yeah. Right. I mean, it I like pups, man. And older dogs are great. You know, it mm-hmm. is it's cool to see you know what they do and, and how they kind of turn out, but and and it's cool to watch older dogs that know so you're not, you know, you you're you're not even conducting anymore. You're just you're just kind of totally. going with it. Yep. You know, but Man, that, that first puppy point and everybody looks forward to it, but like, you know, really it's that moment that seems like it, you know, it's like you got the first puppy point and then that that, that first trial that a dog wins. I think those are like
2: right.
0: huge pieces. Right. You know, everything else in between is 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 a part yep. of the job. Yeah. You know, so I um I, I I I'm I'm right there with you. Um and I I, I also you know really look at the guys like Ike Todd and um, you know, those guys that are really focusing on, on puppy mm-hmm. and Derby development. That's right. Yep. Because I mean, that's going to set the tone for that dog going forward. Absolutely. You know? Um, so that, that's, that's just always my thing, man. So tell me, tell me this now. You're, you have this really, really, really cool background and, I want to talk about where you're from, Portugal and and, and everything like that. But like, really, your background is truly in horses. Correct. So and and that comes from Portugal. So let's talk about a day in the life, you know, before you moved here, you know, you were getting into horses because this has been a family thing for you also. So what what was that like? Uh,
1: It's a very. You know, horses are a very rooted thing in in the whole history of the country. Um, it's a very, it's a heavy traditional thing. Um, and a little bit on the contrary of what it is here in North America, especially in the discipline of dressage, um, it's a very uh, male thing in the horse world. In North America, it's a very uh, feminine thing. Uh, there's a lot more women doing it and, and uh, competing and so forth. Um, and I think because of the whole culture, you know, uh, history was pretty much made out either on the ocean or on the back of a horse. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it just comes from, from that. And, uh, you know, since a kid, the, the two big passions I've always had, I mean, I've always been infatuating with animals uh, but the two big passions were horses and dogs. Right. And, uh, you know, the horses as a way of living was always what I thought of even as a kid. Right. Um, and so, you know, one thing brings another and, uh, I acquired my first horse, um, when I was a teenager, uh, prior to that, I was working with horses and, you know, mucking stalls and cleaning barns and tacking up horses and breaking horses as a, a younger kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all every every minute I spent on the back of a horse was I got to do that because I just mucked so many stalls type of thing. Right. Um, so Yeah. It, um, it's, it's, you know, I get it. <laughs> yeah. It, but, you know, I was I was happy. I was happy to do it. And yeah. my dad, my old man wasn't a big fan of it because he thought it was a bit of a my exploitation, but uh, I was happy. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, so, you, you know, you 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 got to do what you got. It's the same as totally, man. As, as guys nowadays, like if I it, it, when I do come and visit, like I'm gonna offer my help, man. Like what you need, clean stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's yeah. just what yeah. you do. Totally, uh, you know. Totally. <laughs> so, totally. you know. I mean, it, 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 you got to pay it, your dues. In order to
1: get that's right. There's a price for everything, <laughs> and if you want to do something, that's the price you got to pay, right? Yeah. So. And I did it happy, happy to do it. Um, And uh, at my later teen years, I started teaching. uh, After um, I went to school for an international, an equestrian international federation um, uh, license, if you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would be able to teach pretty much anywhere in the world um really get credited as an instructor yeah huh um so after that um you know went into a, a an international writing school that taught a lot of uh, uh, north american people mm-hmm. and um it was it was a hard it was a tough it, it's a tough living um it, just like it's rooted the whole horse and the culture and the history, there's also a lot of the, uh, um, you know, uh, I always call, called it as a kid, royal blood. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I was far from being <laughs> royal blood. <laughs> so I, I had to start, you know, the the hard way, um, which was, you know, work to get to be on a horse. And, right. Uh, I didn't acquire my horse till my later teen years. Uh, I was blessed that my, my dad, uh, was able to, to afford to help me buy a horse in the condition that I would pay for all the expenses.
0: Right. Um,
1: so, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> right. And so, so you know I been did it since the beginning. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's been, uh, oh yeah, man. <laughs> but, but, it's a it, it was always a happy thing. I was always happy to do it because yeah. I enjoyed it so much, right? Yeah. Um but it's for for those of us that weren't really royal blood, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it was a it was a 12 12-hour 12 day job um right. and with with one day off a week um and you made very little money. Like you really did it for the love of it. Right. Um, you busted your butt, but, you know, it's, it's because you wanted to do it. Right. There was just no other way about it. And, and once I started teaching at that international writing school, um, which actually worked in conjunction with uh, um, any question tourism agency. So a lot of people from all over the world, but mostly from North America would come. Um, everybody started kind of pushing me to come to the States. Yeah. you know, to come to the move to the States and work there and all this stuff. And, and I was young and, you know, I decided I had never been out of Portugal and I decided to, uh, come check it out. Right. And, uh, I did, I went to check it out for just over a week. Um, I had where to stay and, and I quickly realized that I could actually make, a suitable or an enjoyable lifestyle, yeah, uh, a, a, a living in in the states um, that I couldn't, you know, back home, with the huge benefit of being able to compete, yeah, um, right. And and for me, that was a huge thing, and you know, always been very competitive. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, well, uh, so, well, I think that's why we're, we're in the field trial thing. I mean, that's I, right. I think there's that's that, right. that piece of a route Now, let me ask you this though. Did you, your horse from back home, did you bring him mm-hmm. here? No. Okay. No. Uh,
1: before I left, I ended up selling um, that horse. Um, went to my old man, gave him the money from the initial quote unquote investment. Yeah. Uh, kept the rest and uh, and then you know shortly after that I I made
0: the move. Okay. So um, all right, so now you you've inspired about three or four different questions, but I'm gonna try to keep it keep it on topic. <laughs> but what what are your thoughts, man? Because in the horse world, it seems like it there's a lot of the same expectation of apprenticeship, right? Yeah. Like um, I know in the art world, I had a mentor and uh, and uh, I more yeah. or less apprenticed you know, for some, for someone, um, a couple of people, matter of fact, um, but in today's time, right? Like we've got the guys that are, are hell bent on like, you know, if you want to get good in the world, you need to go to a trainer, you need to scoop shit basically. Like you, you, you gotta, you you gotta do that. And I, and I understand that you gotta earn it, Yeah. but what about the guy that doesn't have that resource and still wants to get into bird dogs? And I asked because I was that guy. Like I had to go yep. out and find the people that I wanted I, to
1: I get it, man. I um I one hundred percent understand your question. In the perspective of the horses and the dogs. Mm-hmm. Um with the whole horse thing, I was so obsessed about it growing up that I basically studied it. Like right. the history and the as as, as an uh, an equestrian art form and the names that had developed the, the different methods and you know from the 17th century and like i i jumped right into it and a lot of things that what i did um and because i was quote unquote a nobody when it came to to the whole horse world i did a lot of watching mm-hmm. um i went to many places I had a little scooter and I would go to these places, to these barns, and I would just, you know, sit on the side and just watch people ride and just try to take as much out of it as possible. Right. Because it, it's a, it's an expensive thing. Um, you know, and my, my parents blessed them. Uh, they They gave me all the chances they could possibly give. Um, and, and help me out in every every way possible. I mean, without a doubt, I wouldn't be where I'm at without their support. Um, but it was a lot through watching uh, with the horses. And the dogs, it it was the same scenario. Like, you know, a lot of people can say, like some of the bigger names that we we all know, we all talk about, they all have had somebody that they kind of, Went to and they did the apprenticeship, if you want to say it, from mm-hmm. them, right? To somebody older in the business that passed on a lot of advice, and they hung out with them a lot. They watched a lot, like right there, right? Um, number one, I'm in Canada, in BC. <laughs> that, yeah, you know. <laughs>
0: we go get to that too, but go ahead.
1: right, right. Which you know, there's nobody. <laughs> there's nobody out here that does it so a lot of this obsession too was driven by you know back in the days even with the dogs vhs tapes and you know just watching it over and over and over again and try to mimic try to get to the same end result of whatever however it felt good to do um to what i was watching right so i became very visual about the horse thing and the dog thing, and still till this day, I can't say that I've uh, learned this or that for a specific person that I've been spending time with. I haven't, Um, and that's one of the reasons why I ride every brace at every trial that I go to, um, because I end up learning a lot, and just watching and paying attention to the smallest things when it comes to handling Uh, Because one thing is, and we'll go there too, I'm sure. But one thing is to train a dog. The other thing is to handle a dog. Those Mm -hmm. are two completely different components, right? Um, But yeah, it's, you know, just like you, you, what you're mentioning, it was a lot by watching, reading uh, DVDs, VHS, um, later days on, you know, YouTube channels or whatever, Facebook, you Mm -hmm. name it. um, And a lot of reading what 100% a lot of reading uh and then experimenting and kind of you know developing that which the horses helped me immensely that capability of of reading an animal right uh, which i think it's
0: key It it is um, super key um that that's what i was hoping you were you were even even going to work into because I think sometimes when we're doing things like that on our own, learning on our own, finding charting our own way, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the times, man, I, I feel like you don't have anyone to tell you how to read that dog. And usually yep. nowadays, I mean, most people aren't going out and buying three or four puppies at a time. You know what I'm saying? Right. Usually that guy's first dog is, is all he got. That's right. And so you got to read them. You, yep. you 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 got to figure it out and and I and I totally 100% um align with reading a lot and 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 you know for me it was youtube dvds and things like that um and I mm-hmm. tell people all the time I'm a bit of a mutt with when it comes to you know dog training methods and things like that I read a lot and take what I think works right you right. know what I'm saying
1: yeah yeah agreement
0: um and so I, I I think, you know, that's a big thing. But let's go let, let's let's talk a little bit about a, a couple of things. But number one, you you mentioned equestrian art and that has been um, something that I think of. So I always think and maybe you can elaborate on this, too. But from the from the beginning, I've always believed in this, 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 you know, almost divine relationship between men, dogs and horses. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, it's that triangulated relationship. That's kind of like it. I don't know why it works, but yep. you know, from the, 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 man to the horse, it works from the horse to the dog. It works the dog to the man. It works all parts are equal. Absolutely. You know, so what, what, how did we get there over time? Like what's, what's your thoughts being a horse trainer?
1: Um, it's a, it's a symbiosis of events, man, that, that, was somebody way back in the day um, has looked at it. And and if you want to complete that circle, I don't know if you ever thought of this or not, but I'm going to throw it out there okay. um, from from history. It, if you want to complete the, the circle of men on horse and dog, there's the uh, um, birds of prey as yes, well. Yes,
0: the falcons. Yes, the hawks, Absolutely. the falcons. Yep.
1: Absolutely. Yep. And that's a, that's a
0: Middle um, it, Eastern thing. That's right, yeah, that's okay. right
1: and and all of that kind of came from way back in the day um it was a huge like from my home country, it was a huge practice of on a horse you carry your your falcon or you know your bird of prey, and you would have your pointing dog okay um and it, and in a lot of cases, you had the pointing dog and then a flushing dog and mm. right. Um, which would oftentimes, if it would be with a gun, it would do the retrieving with the falcon. That would not be necessary. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's—I think it came from way back then, and I—I I will risk to say maybe 16th, 17th century, somewhere out there.
0: Um. Yeah, man, it's it's interesting, and I didn't even think about the the birds of prey aspect of it, but like. Yeah, I mean that—that's there, and I'd always attributed it to being a Middle Eastern thing, but that was something that was prevalent in Portugal.
1: Absolutely, Portugal, Spain, um, probably all throughout somewhat Europe, Um, and uh, and I think that that just unified that those relationships between men and those animals, Mm -hmm. and I mean it's those it's the kind of pieces of the puzzle that we're meant to always fit together type of thing. Right? right. And, and I think that for that reason, it just stuck to till now. I mean, the whole hunting with the bird of prey on horseback and, and dog is, is not so much anymore, but I mean, we still get on a horse and we spend hours on end on a horse mm-hmm. watching dogs and mm-hmm. going with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you know, for as long as I live, I'd like to keep seeing that for a long time. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I think that because at that, those times, it was also, uh, you know, that was called high school um, teaching of a horse uh, where, you know, it was a form of art when, when training a horse to have all these high school movements. Um, which they carried on from being used in in, in the battlefield to then becoming uh, a very uh, royal, um, if you want to call it, um, status. Right. Thing. You know, each each royal family would have their own arena, their own horses, and they would have the master uh, um, horse trainer. And then they would have a bunch of people teaching all these movements to these, to these horses. Um, and I mean, there's always been dogs around it and, and the whole practice of hunting then on horseback with the dogs. I mean, in Spain, one thing that it's still very, very much alive is the whole getting on a horse and hunting with sighthounds, with the greyhounds. Um, Right, 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 right. Um the the uh the jackrabbits. the jack rabbits. Mm-hmm. Um Portugal not so much, but they're still, you know, just for a way of not letting it die, you know, exhibitions of watching somebody going on a horse, dog point, uh, bird is up and they send the
0: the falcon type of thing. Right. Um, and, and 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 see those dogs, like watching like Saluki's and and those dogs out there, yes. you know. Yes. It's it's just interesting to me how Human beings have manipulated dogs of all kinds to to fit um, fit the they're mold neat. of what they're d- trying to do. Yeah, yeah. E- totally. You know, um, the dog you told me about the Portuguese Pordango. Portango, yeah. Pordango. Okay, it's a D in it. You, yeah. you corrected me before I had to remember it's a D in there. Um, yeah. You know, even even with that, like I I'd never thought to look that up. You know, and it's a hound. Right. Doesn't look like right. the hounds over here. No. But yeah. yeah. then you got like three. To, the 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 thing that got me is the three sizes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you you you, like we talk about versatile dogs, right? And we talk about people yep. like having that one dog for everything. Well, we took one dog and made right. three versions right. of
2: it. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> totally. How,
0: how, did, how did how did that work over there? Like, let's talk about that because you spent some time, you know, working those, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as a kid growing up and hunting, I mean, rabbit hunting is a big thing still back home till this day. Um, and there's a, there's a big split between fur with the dog, fur hunters and feather hunters. Um, mm-hmm. Some will kind of be in the middle. Yep. Um, I mean, my dad, I met this particular dog he had. He had a medium-sized fudengo, uh so a sight hound um that till this day if you talk with him he'll tell you it was his best hunting dog and when he says that he's referring to fur and feller right now it wouldn't point but it would definitely work on it and they would hunt the the partridge there chucker and it would it would work as a flushing dog and it retrieved anything that mm-hmm. was shot yeah um what well, else what you, you know. need <laughs> exactly that's That's really what you need absolutely (laughs) some of these you know he tells me stories when you know when game was abundant back in the day um, of rabbits getting there's you know old old olive trees we're talking like some of them over 100 year old uh, trees and they have uh, hollow trunks and these rabbits would get in there and these dogs which that's what kind of what they've been bred to they would get in it and they would either go from top to bottom or but and they would push that rabbit out really right okay yeah okay like cool cool stuff like that right and i i mean i grew up listening to all these stories and and just like a sponge i remember they'd be telling the stories you know when my dad or and his cousins or some older folk would get together and i would just listen and i would visualize all this stuff right (laughs) um like yeah anyways um I kind of got lost in the answer there, but, uh, I, I, I I,
0: I really wanted to just, you know, you, you were going there, but I, I I was really captivated about, you know, just your very vivid and varied experience. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So there, you know, people that hunt with these sighthounds, they, they hunt with a bunch of dogs altogether. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of the, some of the country, just like in, you know, in the Eastern side of North America, some of the countries or some of the vegetation where you find these rabbits, I mean, it's thick stuff. Um, and a lot of times they would use the smaller size to push through and get in and get through the the little rabbit uh, pathways. And they'd start yipping as soon as, as they hit scent. Uh, wow. And then the bigger dogs the bigger dogs would kind of stay they couldn't get through as easy mm-hmm. so they'd start getting on the sides of whatever the small dogs were working and a lot of times these guys wouldn't even have to shoot like those dogs would they cast just snatch him the up oh yeah yep <laughs> absolutely and uh, you know and and the medium size is always has always been used a lot for for fox hunting which is not huge anymore back home but I still remember as a kid, I went with my old man uh, to one of them, and, and they used a lot of the mostly medium-sized type of sight hound. Um, and then one thing that is very popular, especially nowadays, um, with the less and less agriculture uh, practices in the country, because it was a population that kind of died out a little, um, but there's a lot of boar, wild boar. And okay. so the, the uh, large size. Is used in packs to boar hunt. Um, so it's a dog that is very, still very much in use for for their purpose. Um, you know, it's crazy. You go back home and anybody will have a registered litter for, you know, 150 bucks, 180 bucks a puppy. What? And then you see them out. Oh yeah. And then you see them out here, <laughs> North America and people ask 2,000, 2,500 bucks for a pup. Right.
0: <laughs> I was just, I was like, good Lord. I bought like six of them.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. But because that's, that's the incentive, right? So mm-hmm. people buy, you know, a bunch of them and have a new pack let's say to, to hunt with. Right. Um, I mean, neat dogs, tough as nails, yeah. like tough, tough dogs, yeah, um especially boar hunting yeah. um, it it's unreal, um, but yeah, uh, you know there's it's still very much very much alive back home, and it makes me very happy and then and then there's a whole you know bird dog breed, which is the Portuguese pointer,
0: right right now, um, now, now, how much different? from the regular pointer or the, I guess, the American pointer, how talk about those differences?
1: Yeah. Um, funny you say that. So (laughs) when I, that brings a lot of, (laughs) um, when I moved to North America, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up around short hairs and, and, and pointers, but English pointers, so continental, the continental type of dog. Um, uh, we never owned a portuguese pointer, but i would I would watch them in the field like flock right um but um, when I first laid eyes on on a pointer in North America, mm-hmm. I thought it was the most odd thing <laughs> ever <laughs> i mean just flat out i i mean i think I think I remember even you know thinking to myself like this is an ugly dog, really. <laughs> Yes, because it was such a shock. So back home, and and my old man was the same, like we had no idea that what a pointer in North America would look like. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and after doing some, you know, some reading on it and kind of getting a bit more educated about it, um, it all has to do with, the conditions of terrain yep. with the size of terrain yep. and, and so forth. And so what happened was, you know, North America grabbed onto the continental breed, mm-hmm. uh, as you probably know, and, and developed it to yep. what you were mentioning earlier, to, to suit the needs mm-hmm. of this continent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turned on to, you know, the beautiful dog we have nowadays that it's the Pointer, which I often call it, American
0: pointer. Yeah, I say the same um, thing. Just
1: yeah.
0: you yeah. know, because anytime somebody says pointer or pointer, anytime I say right. pointer, somebody's either like English pointer or or they that's think right. I'm talking about short hairs. And I'm like, No, right. just that's and so right. I I it's not even a formalized thing. I've just adopted saying American pointer.
1: Absolutely. And quite frankly, I think that it it would be only fair for both breeds. I think it would benefit both breeds to to actually identify them as English Pointer and American Pointer they're they're I mean they're completely different type of dogs they hunt differently yep. they gate differently they're built differently um, they they think differently like mm-hmm. they, it's a completely different type of dog uh, but anyways that's a whole another
2: <laughs> that's a whole other stuff. dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: um, but you know the, the dogs there are dogs that you don't want a dog to range out more than mm-hmm. fifty max sixty yards, and I mean, and that's a dog that a dog gets out to fifty or sixty yards and they're hollering at the dog right, um, right. Th- there's no the the country doesn't doesn't present the same tall grass that we can have here in some some parts of the country um, um from east to west north to south. Uh, the extensions of terrain are a lot smaller to hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, so this whole, you know, big ranging dogs and, and standing up tall, there's no cover to hide a dog. So, you know, right. it, it's very much appreciated a dog that behaves almost like a big cat. Right. Um, yeah, you know, I've seen it. They kind of like yeah, creep. The they get low to the ground and yeah. they creep. And yeah, and it's actually field trials back in Europe it's encouraged for the dog to creep along as the handler walks beside the dog. Right, And so it becomes, then the flush becomes a, a partner thing. The dog is still not allowed to chase, mm-hmm. but the flush is made with with handler, a lot of times handler and dog, uh, right. or just handler. Right. But the dog is encouraged to heal basically beside the handler in a creeping manner, gotcha. um, which here is, I
0: mean, he, he's, you've been kicked out of the country you mess around and do that
1: (laughs) but you know it different different strokes for different folks type of thing right right? so it's just a different way there's no better or worse it's just done differently because the the whole conditions and the whole logistics of the country and the culture and vegetation is all different so Mm -hmm. and i totally get it and i I love doing it the way that we do it in North America. To right. be honest with you. Right. Um uh, yeah, man. Um no. I could never I could never own a continental pointer anymore. I'll put it to you that way.
0: Really? Okay. <laughs> uh, no. Okay, so my 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 a lot of my listener base hears me talk about that. I'll probably say that every other episode <laughs> 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 and, and, and in truth, man, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this Portuguese pointer now and it's a beautiful doll. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. looks kind of like a pointer just with a short tail and Brown. Um, yeah. it, it's like if a pointer and a boxer had a baby actually. Yeah. It's,
1: yeah. It, it's, it's actually, it's, it's an, it's one of the oldest, uh, it's not the oldest, pointing breed in the moment Mm -hmm. um in in the history of pointing dogs it's uh there was another one that was the spanish pointer there was portuguese pointer and spanish pointer and they both were actually in the origin of the english pointer so a lot of those bloods were used to produce the english pointer so it's a dog that you know has a completely different temperament a different way of of hunting it's a dog that it's not a hard running dog, mm-hmm. um, it'll, it'll lope a lot. Um, it'll trot and lope a lot. Um, it, it tends to carry a lower head, yeah. um, more of a, a hound type of behavior versus, you know, our snappy high head, you know, lofty, smooth, big gait type of dog. Right. Um, totally different, but you know, there's a place for them. Uh, mm-hmm. They're tough dogs, too. Uh, some some of the conditions where those I've seen some of those dogs hunt, I mean, they get beat to crap and they just mosey along. And the whole hunting practice, just a little, a little side thing, back home, you know, I see, especially nowadays, there's a lot of the whole side-by-side thing or even on horseback mm-hmm. and swapping dogs. And my memories of hunting back home was – me packing food, yeah, and just for, going for my for my old man and I, and we walk literally from sun up to sun down. Mm-hmm.
0: That's like how I now.
1: Just, yeah, it's it, it is one dog.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I, and and I hate to say this because I know some people might think it was a little harsh, but we never carried water for that dog. <laughs> Good, like I do now, <laughs> my
0: dog. Look, I I. You want to know who told me that? Man, it's funny you say that. Um. Sometimes I get a funny look when people are like mm-hmm. you don't take water for your dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the only place I take water specifically is when I hunt. This one particular WMA in Thomasville, Georgia, only okay. because they have gators in the water. So okay, I I, I can't let my you dog, don't want
1: the dog to go yeah. right. Yeah. But
0: nope, I I make it a point. Um, and this is an old head neil carter he was telling me about this um i, I still got to send you that that those photos and stuff but um you know he field trials he was a dog man here plantations and stuff and, and raises excellent dogs um okay. and he was like when we go hunt they have to find their own water you know that's right they that's it, right. because it keeps them from swinging back into me that's right you know now I, i'm curious as to what what made you adopt that just <laughs>
1: the i think the reason there is simply because we've already carrying Mm -hmm, stuff mm -hmm. and it's another thing and you know through through the properties that you go through because it's none of it is actually crown land it's all own property but people are pretty open to let you cross the fence and just get through it right um and hunt but um you know there's always here or there once in a while they come through a cattle either that being sheep goat cows whatever water trough right. and the dogs learn to spot them mm-hmm. and go to them and have some water and get back at it yep. um yep. you know and then we we'd have water in the vehicle in the dog trailer by the time we'd get to the vehicle but we didn't really carry water for the dog i mean that's one of the things that i remember when i first saw you know these Vests with water and the little hose <laughs> and all. I'm, I'm like, oh man, you guys are like, you know, fancy stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> um, I, it, it's just different, right? It's but, different, you know. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and now when I hunt, it's one of my worries is knowing that there's either a water hole, and I looked at, I look on on the maps to see if there's a water hole, and mm-hmm. I'll try to kind of swing by it. I still don't carry water unless I'm on a horse. On a horse, I always carry water for right, my dog. Right. Uh, but, but on foot, I don't carry water for them or for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I drink when I get back to the truck and, you know, so do they.
0: And, uh, um, we, we must be the same person. We we have got to be man. All the more reason yeah. why I need to come up there and hunt Chucka with you. There you go. <laughs> I don't. It, it's 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 weird how that works out. But I mean, it is now. Th- look, th- look, let's talk a little trash for a second. Let, let's back up. Yeah, and then we'll, yep. we'll get back because I, I got a lot yep. I want to cover with you. But um, why no more Continentals? I know why I'm not doing it. I right. never had one. I thought about it. Yeah. one time, and I'm glad I never did um mm-hmm. no shade or anything I just I've got my reasons why I don't but what 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 was the thing that was like I can't do this anymore especially coming from one of the continental origins
1: you know it was, I guess so coming to North America the first dog I acquired here was a uh, uh, short hair mm-hmm. and like I mentioned before you know, I grew up around short hairs and English pointers, um, that my, my old man owned. Um, and the short hair, I went to a short hair because even though there's a slight difference between what's bred, you know, back in Europe to North America, but it's the kind of dog that, um, makes better with what's being done in North America and in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went to that because I couldn't stand that first reaction that I told you, like the American pointer was like, "Man, I can't even look at that that tail
2: yeah <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean this sounds this sounds odd coming from you know now I'm completely obsessed with it,, but, <laughs> but it took me a while it it was a it was a growing uh passion. It was a growing love that had to be worked on. Yeah. And, and so that's why I went to the, to the short hair because it was such a foreign vision yeah. for me, the the whole American pointer thing. Um, once I got into the short hair and, you know, I originally got the short hair cause I just wanted to go hunting. I wasn't even aware of the whole field trial thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found out, you know, back when there was no social media and i found an ad on the local newspaper about this meeting that this dog club was going to have yeah and and that just spiked my interest i went um rest is history but (laughs) um and once i started competing yeah i mean it didn't take me long to to realize that the dogs to beat <laughs> what, the, <long-tailed> ones.
0: <laughs> the same ugly dogs right? that you were looking at. Right,
1: it, exactly, right? So I'm like, okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna have to take a look at this. <laughs> um
0: look, that's the know, part I, of the it, game you have to play to win. That's right. At the end of the that's day, right. field trial you gotta play to win.
1: One hundred percent. And and being a competitive guy. I you know like I said it didn't take me long to realize that that's what I had to do. Yeah. Um so I went through at the time I had two short hairs already um a male and a female and good dogs really good dogs but your typical short hairs mm-hmm. um uh they they both had Quite a bit of actual German blood on on one side of the pedigree, the rest was all American, um, but tough dogs um, you know tough temperaments, which is what I was used to coming from Europe, like a short hair is a dog that you know if there's another dog that raises a bit of a hair right. you better get there or there's going to be an ugly moment. Oh. Um,
0: uh, do you? I I don't know if I told you about why I will never guide with this one particular short hair again because of that exact reason.
1: Because of that, yeah. yeah like I yeah. couldn't.
0: I had to put my pointer. Ended up getting hurt. He cut his paw. Hunted. Mm-hmm. I mean, like a champ that whole day. And I and it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I wish I had him for the clients that I didn't have him for. They were just right. much more experienced. But like anywho. Um, so Vegas ended up cutting his paw. And I usually right. guide with two pointing dogs and my lab, you know, for okay. flushing and retrieving. Yeah. Well, yeah. Vegas, he—you know how pointers are—they'll give it to you, but like I can see, he—he was just—he couldn't couldn't hack it. He stopped pointing, stopped doing everything. It was just hurting him too bad. It was Um, hurting. Yep. And so I was like, all right, let me put him up. You know, I gave him a shot that second round, just wasn't happening. Um, So after about five or ten minutes, it was like, ah, we're done. So then it was just this short hair. Now the issue was the place that I guide at—they have dogs that. Like, their full-time guides use their dogs.
2: Right, right.
0: And then they have a couple of other dogs that they kind of just let the public guide with if they want to go on a personal, on a self-hunt or whatever. Gotcha. Well, my usual team is my pointer, my lab, and this other pointer named Molly. She's nine, but she's great. Only problem is she's getting old, so she can't hack a full day. Well. And so I ended up, um, the only other dog that I could use was that short hair. Okay. I pulled this dog out, man, and he got to trying to fight my lab and my lab is not no pushover like, right. And so they get to, they got to locking up and everything. And the clients are sitting there like, what in the world What is going on? <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, I split them up. um, And like I tried to send him out to go hunt and keep my dog at heel like normal. He kept trying to come back in and fight my dog. Wow. And so I had to put mine up because I needed the pointing dog out there to do it. So, I mean, it was miserable, but that's probably examples like that are, are really some of the reasons why i'm just not a fan of short hairs man i i, I and i've yeah. got buddies with phenomenal short hairs i mean
1: oh yeah i mean and don't get me wrong they're not all like that no they're but, not all you know it, it's a dog that was bred um Ooh. to be used in in fur hunting too mm-hmm. and you know and they box, needed to be sharp or exactly and mm-hmm. and for how much it's been kind of You know, everybody knows that a lot of the short hairs nowadays, they have a lot of pointer blood. A whole lot of it, But but there's still that little component in the genetics there that it still comes up in in a lot of these dogs. Um, And it makes them tough dogs. Um, And yeah, like, I, I totally feel your pain because eventually that's what led me to end having short hairs. Yeah. Because I always had to be careful who I had in the yard or who I hunted with. I always, it, everything was very calculated. Mm-hmm. And if, if, you know, one gate was open or the two dogs got paired wrong, exactly the same scenario that you're talking about. Right. And, and, and it was, it just got a little too, too much. Right. Um, and, and I just kept going with the white dogs, which I've never had a single issue.
0: I don't, um, I, you would think for as high strung as pointers can be yeah. in the field.
2: Yeah.
0: My my lab is, I mean, night and day more aggressive than my pointer is. Right. Night right. and day. Um, right. Pointer, he doesn't really like new people coming into the yard, but he's not like going to go after you. He'll just bark at you. Um, my lab, hmm. <laughs> You, yeah. you, I mean, he will come <laughs> up to you and be like, who are you? Um, yeah. and it's just different, but you know, I, I, it's, it's just interesting to me. Um, and I never want to generalize dogs like that, but that's just been my experience. The other yeah. issue yep. is overbreeding and I'd be the one to talk cause I want to lab. I can talk about that all day too, but mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. just, I, it, it, it's like two in America, right? Because in, in Europe and in, 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 on the continental side of the world, you're getting the cream of the crop of those particular mm-hmm. breeds. That's right. Over here, it seems to me that there's two different sides to it. You've got mm-hmm. the gene pool, kind of like short hairs, where there's a lot of them and right. not everybody is putting the proper breeding practices you know, into play, so you get these exactly. dogs that are just wired up or pin up, or, or right. you've got the other side of the continental thing where the breeding pool is so small, mm-hmm. you may or may not get a hunting dog out of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent,
0: man. I'm like, uh, and here, I know for a fact, pointers and setters. You, yeah. a setter is a little bit more of a gamble, but. still Still, you're getting a good hunting dog as yep. far as winning a trial yep. i mean obviously we know i mean pointers are just the statistics alone you know yep. show for that but you know i can i can get on that and
1: and, and and i think even more so with the whole setter thing mm-hmm. you don't get just a a, a hunting dog you get you know, for the average person that has a dog as a hunting dog that likes to have the dog at home and family or you mm-hmm. get a good family dog. Yep. Um, and I think nowadays more than before, there's a big value to that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people like to have their dog at home. And, you know, and you look at the old pictures, old paintings, and, you know, there's the fireplace and the setter sitting or laying down right beside it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's a good dog. And, a lot of the pointers that, you know, the kind of dog that I visualize to, to produce has to have always that off switch. That right. off switch that when I bring it in the house, I, I want to forget that he's in the house right. or she's in the house. Right. right. Um, and the short hairs was always a struggle for that man <laughs> like there's just no off switch and you know the off switch is a, is a is a command yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because it's a command there's this whine and whine mm-hmm. and whine <laughs> and I just got it you became too much for
0: yeah me then. I look I, just I couldn't do it anymore. Uh, the look on your face looked like your wife might have got <laughs> on to you a couple of times about the yeah. dogs <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple,
1: <laughs> you know, actually what was really hard for her was because I'm the one that handles all the dogs and whatever. But mm-hmm. if I go to a trial or, you know, I'm out training for a day or a couple of days and I have to go somewhere and a few dogs have to stay behind, you know, she would look after them. And with the short hairs, it was always like instructions to be followed. Oh my Otherwise yeah. that would be that would be a, an accident. Right? Right. right. And so it, it put a lot of, you know, kind of stress on her, especially because of that. Right. And, and it did happen a couple of times. Um, and I, I um, believe it. So, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I, yeah, to me it was just, I mean, I still look at some of them. Um, one of the most spectacular dogs that I've ever judged uh, years back was a short hair really and I mean it was a short hair and if he hears me he's gonna grant with a lot of pointer in it <laughs> <laughs> but um I mean it pointing was beautiful um he was extremely intense on everything he did every time that dog I mean I saw that talk, that dog point no no joke mid-air and when what? he landed, he pointed. it. He turned and pointed as he was making a big jump over a a, a, a stage brush. Huh. And he pointed He turned and and how he landed is how he stayed. He just skid and he just stayed there. <laughs> like the point was actually established in the air. I'll never forget it. Wow. I've never seen anything like that, man. And and he would just shake, just vibrate. Uh, beautiful dog. Won a bunch. Um, I think he's still. Around, you remember uh, that dog's name? Um, I do not, man. But the fellow is on my Facebook. Okay, uh, he's from the next province, uh, Alberta. Uh, I'll I'll look it up and I'll, I'll get some pictures and I'll, I'll start okay. it you. Like yeah. beautiful dog, beautiful right. dog. You seen those honky tonk dogs?
0: Oh God, yeah. yeah.
1: That's how he pointed.
0: Oh, so he looked like he's That's about to he... literally just fall oh, off. Oh of, yeah, yeah. yeah, just
1: like just you know drank from the rain type of thing just (laughs) um just beautiful absolutely beautiful yeah yeah man it it, you know short hair is a short hair and it requires a different type of mentality for training and and handling and so forth Mm -hmm. um you know that passion that grew and that love that grew for the pointers um and after watching a lot of dogs and i've had i've Experimented with with other breeds and nothing compares. Man. Nothing.
0: Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Compares. Okay. All right. I want that to be yeah. heard on air from everybody. Why do you like point yeah. it? Because nothing compares. It's and that's <laughs>
1: the reality. It's like you can't. It's like you know, watching coming from Europe. I've watched Formula One. Yeah. Uh, racing. Mm-hmm. It's like watching F one and watching NASCAR. There's a there's a place for both. <laughs> You know, and it's not that one is bad, and but you just can't compare. Right. It's one is one thing and the other one is, is a different, mm-hmm. is a different thing, man. Uh, the maturity that you get on those pups, the, the selection that has been done uh, from, you know, Mr. Miller, Farrell Miller comes to mind. Mm-hmm. He had a big, uh, a big thumb on it, um, you know. The whole Lhu line, mm-hmm. um, all these people, and there's others. Um, many, many, many other names. Oh yeah, that selected these dogs to get to the point where we're at nowadays, where I can get a whole litter of six week old puppies, all snapping on point. Yep. With intense, yep. You, you know, and just what the, the the kind of maturity you see in some of the behaviors on these pups that you just cannot compare to other breeds. Right. Um, you know what I mean? So it, you know, it's been, it's been a long road type of work with them, but you just, yeah, it's a, it's a whole
0: different ball game. whole other ball game. So, so yep. uh, uh, all right. So you were talking about the differences right now. Let's, let's, let's make a trip from Portugal to coming over here. And your first mm-hmm. stop was in, was it Seattle or Idaho? Idaho. Idaho. And then it got you you mentioned it was kind of tough for a second training wise in Seattle.
1: Yeah. Okay. In Seattle. So, I went to to work with horses in Idaho. Um in a little town called King Hill. Mm-hmm. And when I say little, it was little. Little. Um uh but it was it was cool, man. Like I I had never seen um, California quail or anything like that. And I, I got introduced to that. The country was absolutely beautiful there. Um, and now I look back and I feel like, you know, 17 years later, I don't think I appreciated at at that time what I would appreciate now Mm -hmm. being in, in, in that kind of country. Um, but, um, yeah, I went to Boise and then uh, horses again took me to Washington State uh, around Seattle. And it was really hard to, because I stayed there for a good two years. And it was really hard during that time to connect with people um, to go bird hunting. Right. Um, so it was hard to connect with, you know, this whole Facebook thing wasn't a thing yet. Um, so, it, which makes it a lot easier nowadays, mm-hmm. um, and and because of the the demographics of, of people that I was working for and surrounded by, um, it was very difficult to connect with anybody with bird dogs. Mm-hmm. So, for that time, I missed it. I missed it a lot. Um, and so, once I finish uh, my my stay in the states. Uh, I decided then to come to Canada after being here to visit. I really enjoyed it. Got offered a job, came, and and it was different in the sense that the atmosphere that I jumped onto here in Canada was completely different of the one that I was. I lived in Capitol Hill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was, yeah. <laughs> So We've all heard different. a lot about Capitol Hill, recently. yes, yes man. I know. I know it was kind of interesting because you know watching on the news and TV and like, man, I lived there. I know that, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. But you know, then I moved to a place called Vancouver Island, which, I mean, population density is next to none compared to how it was, was in Seattle, mm-hmm. particular Capitol Hill. Um, and I felt like, you know, just through my little, uh, travels and exploring, I got into a lot of rough grouse, Right. Uh, logging roads and whatever. I got into a lot of rough grouse. And so that was it. I was going to get my dog. So I did a bit of research. I found somebody that had a a decent litter of of pups and I got my, my shoulder at the time and went from there. But it was, it was definitely difficult to connect, um, in Washington. And funny enough, now I know people from Washington. Uh, one guy, actually, he bought a pup from us, Mike Smith, um, Mm -hmm. awesome guy. Uh, he bought a pup from us and he goes and chucker hunts and he lives in Seattle.
0: Wow. Okay. Right? So it's yeah. like,
1: man, where were you? When <laughs> <laughs> um, and extremely nice guy. Uh, I've been at a, a trial with him too. And uh, we talk once in a while because he, he bought a pup from us. He came here to pick it up. Um, wow. Yeah. Really, really nice guy. Um, and he, he was asking me to come down to go checker hunt with him, but you know, again, COVID, COVID and last yeah. year I went for the first time hunting there and we went to, uh, southern state closer to the border around between Oregon and Idaho there, mm-hmm. um, for chucker hunting. And I mean, the country was beautiful. I got my butt kicked. <laughs> um, I mean, but I loved every minute of it, man. And, uh, managed to, again through social media to connect with the phenomenal guy there to, uh, Jose. um, and we got together, he I mean, just took me complete stranger, just took me with him, yeah, um I mean, yeah, like you know that's that's the 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 biggest beauty about this whole dog thing mm-hmm. is the people that you end up connecting with, yep, and not just the numbers but the kind of people and there's there's a lot of
0: good people out yep. there, a whole lot of them yep,
1: yeah, and yeah. It's been it's been very rewarding
0: in that in that sense. Well, and I, I I think that's what makes me so drawn to doing what I'm you know doing. Like I imagine it kind of like sports. Like I I grew up playing sports and things like that. And maybe it was the times. Maybe we didn't have social media and things like that. But like I'd always look at these pros, right? Like all of these pros, yeah. and in football and yeah. basketball and soccer and things like that, like they always seemed a hundred miles away. Yeah. But then with bird dogs, as I got into it, everybody, I mean, you could be out at a trial and be running yeah. an amateur and, and, and they a pro be running open and they're usually pretty cool about, you know, if they're not competing, you know, let them run yeah. a break. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, go watch totally. the race. And, and I, 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 I speak um a lot about Tommy Rice you know yeah. he comes up there um to the dakotas and things like that and has done a hell of a job on the circuit but tommy yeah. basically told me to show up at at sedgefields i got a horse for you you just got to get here mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that's riding with a pro and learning you know in in that regard um i don't know a lot of sports that are doing that yeah, i agree with you you know what i'm saying yeah. like and and people are legitimately very, very, very open. I mean, if, there's always outliers, but for the most part, in bird dogs,
1: in majority, yep,
0: right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been that way. So, I mean, I'm glad to hear that now. Um, you know, you yeah. The only time it it it's it's worth talking a little trash is when we talk about the type of birds that we hunting. Okay. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's always harder over here than it That's is over there. That's like, <laughs> right. Always,
1: always. Man. Which, FYI, nothing compares to chucker hunts. So come prepared. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was gonna ask you that, man. So I, I, one of the questions I, I had some sidebar sub: California yeah. quail, chucker, Colombian sharp tail, or rough grouse. Yep. What? What would you? What's your your go to? Chucker, man. Really. Like
1: hands down, hands down for not just because it's a it's a hard bird to hit, but the the physical challenge Mm -hmm. that it presents. Yeah. I mean, they're called devil birds for a reason. reason. Okay. Um I've I've taken people that I've that I know and I've known over the years, I've taken many people with me chucker hunting. Yeah. And I can think of two people mm-hmm. that have come back for a second
0: round, really all right yeah. well, I'm gonna be a third day damn it
1: <laughs> i I sure hope so man, and it's not just tough on people, it's tough on the dogs yeah. too yeah um the the grounds you're dealing with a lot of rock, a lot of cactus elevation um I mean the way the birds behave, where they where they go depending on early season, late season, um how much pressure they've had. I mean, there's a lot of man, I could I could write a book just right. on on scenes of chucker hunting that most people hear of chucker hunting and they have no idea.
0: Yeah. Hey, like, look, no idea well, I, you talking about talking to a writer, so I need you to write the book, okay? I need, yeah. I, need I need I need you to write the book. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's, I've, I've seen the territory. I, I mean the, the, the terrain, not territory. Um, yeah. and I, it is nothing like I would have ever imagined. And I can only imagine hunting them. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you something. This is a thought of mine. Like I, I, I've got plenty of wild birds down here in spots like that, but you guide hunts and things like that. You don't ever worry about somebody coming back to your spots, guiding no, no,
1: um, no. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, main reason is actually what I just said. Yeah. And the second reason is. So, I mean, Canada is one of the biggest countries in the world, uh, not by population, but by, you know, it's... extension of, of country, of terrain, of land. Uh, and I live in the only province where there's chucker. Okay. Uh, so of all Canada, this is the only place where you can find chucker, and it's actually a small, like in a radius. It's a, it's a fairly small area in comparison to the rest of land of the province. Mm-hmm. Um, in a place like British Columbia, that bird hunting isn't a huge thing right. at all the hunting here is big game, right? Um, bird hunting is not a, is not a thing. I mean, a lot of people say, that, Oh yeah, I bird hunt. Yeah, oh, yeah. What do you hunt? Oh, I, you know, I hunt rough grouse. What do you use for 22? So they shoot them, <laughs> they shoot them off the road. So that's, that's the bird hunting I'm talking about right. that majority of people do here. Right. Um, so because of all these circumstances, uh, I've always been the kind of person that I want to encourage people to go and to kind of uh, cultivate a bit more of a culture in, in bird hunting with a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the, with being a flushing dog or, or a, a pointing breed. Um, so that that problem of having somebody to come and start using that spotter, it's very, very. I mean, it doesn't really cross my mind very few times i go to a spot uh from one of the spots that i go to and i see another vehicle okay very it's rare yeah it's very rare man okay. um so it's not an issue the province over alberta which you know starts to become more of the prairies mhm that's different there's a lot more bird hunters there's they have a program of of, uh, pheasant release sites Mm -hmm. um throughout the province so that promotes a lot more they have pheasant festivals and so that promotes a a lot more the whole uh, bird dog and, and bird hunting and so that there's more of of that um Secluded mind, if yeah. you want to call it, of sharing the spot yeah. where you go hunting. Okay. Uh, here, I mean, I. Uh, uh, anybody asks me, I'll, I'll give them the coordinates. <laughs> this is where I go. Like, this is where you'll find birds. Have, words, have right? fun getting there, though. <laughs> um, exactly. I mean, it's it's totally different. And actually, it was a reality that that was interesting to me when I went to last year to hunt in Washington State. Was that I saw a lot of hunters. And they, mm-hmm. they were all chucker hunting. And I saw from setters to viseless to pointers. And I was, I mean, I went with uh, a, a good friend of mine, Italian um, friend of mine. He's older. He came from, from Italy too at, at a younger age. And um, he's probably, I, it's funny, I met him chucker hunting years ago. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. He's the only other nut that gets <laughs> out there every year. Right. So I met him and we became good friends. Um, and so we, we went both to Washington state and he got yelled at because he was, uh, two dudes were coming his way and he was going around and hey, get out of here. And <laughs> you know, like <sighs> kind of, these are yeah. my birds type yeah. of thing. Right. Yeah. And it was like, okay. And he just went away. He's a little deaf now cause he, he competed in, in, uh, shooting a lot. Yeah. And so, uh, so were I said, what would you say? I can't, I couldn't hear it. I couldn't, I just left. <laughs> like, <"All> right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, whatever. So, but, uh, but it was an interesting reality, like way more of a thing, bird hunting than Washington. I mean, and I'm literally, I'm looking at a mountain that it's the United States right here from my property. Wow. So, okay. So I'm right at the border.
0: Right. So. Okay. And being at the border guys, Go check out Onyx Hunt. You can go check out your borders, your boundary lines, your public and private land areas, everything you need in addition to the Onyx Off-Road app. So go download both of them. But for Onyx Hunt, use my promo code GDN20 for 20% off your checkout when you go subscribe. So let me, let me ask you this then. So your, your relative location, like your positioning, the way that you've built your dogs, the, the program that you're, that you're developing, do, right. does all of that come together to get a little bit closer to that, that vision that you say that you've never, mm-hmm. you've not accomplished with your dogs. Mm-hmm. Talk about mm-hmm. that for a minute.
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, again, being, being an avid chucker hunter, and 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 you know, my bird of choice is chucker because of naturally the way that you know the the kind of bird I grew up hunting back in the old country and all this. Mm-hmm. So, um, I always chucker dogs are a true chucker dog. Not every dog fits the boots or or the the status of being a chucker dog, right? Um, and again, you know, it could be it can be disputed by you know, oh, this bird is tougher or that bird. To me, uh, which I've hunted, uh, you know, quite a few species of of upland, the chucker do offer, without a doubt, in my mind, personally, the most amount of challenges. Not like I said, not just for the hunter, but for the dog, which means the dog has to be a very specific type of dog, not just built, but mentality, um, you know, capacity, like with a lot of bottom, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, the, the way they move, it can't be, you know, a lot of the, the Southern and, and Southeast type of all age dogs are big dogs. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants that, you know, 70 pound dog. And mm-hmm. I can't have that. Right. Um, you know, for the kind of, running that I do, what I use my dogs and, you know, even trialing in Oregon um, and so forth. I mean, there's, the grounds are very similar. You put a big dog in those kind of grounds, He's not going to lie. Not not because of the, not because of the endurance, you know, and and I know some people would argue this, but from my personal experience, um, you end up trashing a dog. Um, They doesn't matter if the dog has a smooth gait or not a dog that heavy and the kind of terrain that we put them in, it's, it's not going to sustain the same gait, the same endurance Mm -hmm. or the same mentality because it'll start hurting as a, a smaller dog. And when I say small, I don't mean, you know, 40 pound dog. Um, my, my top dog is a 60 pound dog. Yeah. Um, and he's what I would call through and through, chucker
0: dog Chuck shoot man I'm, um, I'm pushing my dog now is 41 pounds sopping wet like <laughs>
1: wow well, well, i
0: got a little dude i mean
1: but you know what and and smaller dogs especially you know in the bigger bigger circuit and all this they tend to be looked on and i know that a lot of people think you know a bigger dog especially in the big circuit if it gets to ames ames is a mud pit they have to be long-legged. Mm-hmm. They have to be big to get through all that. I personally, and I know that a lot of names and a lot of big names would argue with me, and and, and I'm of this opinion, perhaps because I've never been to Ames. But I'm of the opinion that heart mm-hmm. is more than
0: anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A dog with a, with heart will do it. Well, let's um, let's, let's talk about hip- Manitoba. Rap. It was a tiny dog, dude. Oh yeah. Historically, that was a tiny dog tiny dog yep and he actually was the first to win <laughs> matter of fact so
1: and you know and and i've i've read a lot of debates that go on on this this exact uh, issue and that dog comes up and then it's always the same that was the only the one dog like mm-hmm. right? the only one dog mm-hmm. and but yeah it was the only one dog but it proved that it's doable. Man. It's doable.
0: It's totally doable. And, and Ames and it, then is the same Ames it was now. If if it, if absolutely. anything, it was worse then, because they had wild birds at the time. Yeah, I mean the conditions were the same though.
1: Yeah, and you know the the crowds probably the gallery was probably this is a far fetch maybe but the gallery was likely bigger, mm-hmm. which would promote more mud, mm-hmm. which would in result could be a lot tougher on mm-hmm. the dog. Um, so I mean, you know, everybody has this vision of a dog because of what they do, the bird they chase or the venue, the terrain that involves the venue they hunt in and and so forth. Um, for me, I mean, bottom is, is a lot. One thing that a ton of people don't look at and I am extremely particular about is good feet.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so talk about that.
1: Okay. Um, I've passed on a lot of dogs that they went on to people that were like, "How could you pass on this dog?" And it, you know, to me, it's because it missed one of my most important things—the mm-hmm. feet. Okay. And, and I passed them right. I'm extremely picky when it comes to keeping a dog in the program, but uh, the the country I, I I run in, if the dog doesn't have tight and upright feet, it will end up with um, damage on their feet, including, which I've seen, um, a very good dog from a very good friend of mine, first day out, chucker hunting. He's one of the two people that came back for for chucker hunting. First day out, the dog ends up breaking a toe. What? Uh, Just and her feet the nails, are not,
0: n- nails too the, far feet down.
1: Are, the feet are, 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 the toes are spread mm-hmm. um, and they're not that uptight, upright uh, foot that you see on, on the dog. Right. Uh, w- what it means is the, the, the feet don't have structure because it is rocky and it's, you know, and the cactus and the, the elevation. So you're constantly going up or down. Um, and if everything is not put together, it puts a a big detriment to you to the dog so the feet to me are are an important thing the gate is another one which means they have to be built um proportionally um i'm a bigger fan of the rounder chest than the deeper chest Mm -hmm. um i like more of the barrel type of chest um from my experience i believe that they they sustain it better and it, it it affects the gait in a different way the dog gait in a different way which is um more suited for what i do right um you know for that kind of for that kind of terrain no
0: where uh, let, let me let me ask you sorry to interrupt one one piece yeah, yeah, about yeah. that you've got what miller l hugh and mm-hmm. what was the third that you fiddler, fiddler. Fiddler, Fiddler. that, that barrel chest. Do you think that's a a byproduct of the, the, the Miller in that dog? Like, where do you think that's coming from? I'm just random thought.
1: Honestly, um, more of the Fiddler type of dog.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Um, from stuff I've seen, um, from experiments we've done here with, with crossings and, and all this, uh, I will get that mostly from fiddler to fiddler uh some LHU mm-hmm. uh, n- n- not not a lot of LHU but some LHU uh simply because you know th- that LHU blood does go uh you know still cuz Bob Bob used the actual uh, continental pointer and right. and the conformation on that continental pointer is a, a deeper chest mm-hmm. not as much round um the whole round chested i personally think maybe I'm wrong, but I personally think that it comes from more of the, the foxhound that got mixed into Mm -hmm. the whole pointer and right. Um, Same as the tail and Mm -hmm. and so forth. And I've got a whole thing
0: about mixing July hound into the pointer. I'm doing research on that matter of fact, but I'm glad you said that. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is, it's, it's a big, it was a huge factor in the, American Pointer that we know of today, mm-hmm. uh, without a doubt. Um, and I, so I've seen more of that result of that, that, uh, round rib cage, more fiddler, uh, blood, which then it brings other issues. But, uh, and I've, I've tried to, it's, it's, it, genetics are a, a delicate thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you put too much fiddler, you end up running into cherry eye. Um, really, in particular, some lines of, of the, some names of the fiddler. Uh, you know, a lot of guys. Ah, oh, it's just cherry eye. You know, they get they get operated and they're fine, which is true. You know, you can fix it and it's fine. But as a breeder, mm-hmm. I don't want to be breeding knowing that there's going to be a fault because it is a fault. Right. It's not proven that it's genetic or not, but the 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 matter of the fact is that when you put a lot of fiddler together, you're going
0: to get
1: it. You get a lot of other good traits, but mm -hmm. you're going to get that for sure.
0: Right. Well, Um, I mean, you put a lot of anything, any of these breeds, you're going to get something. That's why, you know, Mr. Whaley did so much searching for an outcross. Mm
1: -hmm. That's right. You
0: know, if you go through his books, I mean, he, he kept his females. Yeah. But he was always looking for, an outcross to a male, you know? Yeah,
1: uh, I mean, the Fiddler has a lot of good traits, and you know, uh, in terms of wild bird dogs, they're, you know, they produce, and they have the style mm-hmm. that I really like in the dog. Um, but yeah, confirmation is, is extremely important to me. Yeah. Um, starting right from the feet, right. um, and personality. One of the things that I value a lot, I've had dogs here that have all of that confirmation, mm-hmm. but they don't have that off switch. Yeah. Yeah. And if they don't have that off switch, man, I'm not going to put it in the program. Yeah. Um. So, and that's why I say that genetics is such a finicky thing because I think that everybody that breeds and breeds responsibly should have a vision of a certain type of dog that it's going to better the breed. Right um in whatever venue they you know they they want. Um for me and I am picky, if it, it's the type of dog that's well put together. It's got the the right mindset to have an off switch in the kennels or at home. Um and when you cut it loose it's gonna be just I mean it's He's gonna get it all right. Yeah. He just um, tough um Easy to train. Um, I don't want a dog that you know you have to just go on correction, correction, correction all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I like a dog that enjoys to work and enjoys to please. Yeah. Um, right. Um, a lot of a lot of the older type of dogs, where what we were talking about uh, a few days ago. That you know a lot of guys call it. Oh, that that dog is a man. Right. right? <laughs> uh, like tough dogs. Um, which I think that in some of the dogs we have nowadays, it's, it's a bit of a need because I think we've gone a little over too far the other end, Mm -hmm. um, um, becoming, you know, having some dogs with, with some issues in terms of softness. So that's also a concern of mine. It's the right, the balance in the personality on the dog, the mentality that it's not soft. It can take all the, the pressure and the training and so forth, but it's not a rogue. Right. You know what I mean? It's not a dog that it's going to be just, you know, every time you have to go over it like 10 times for it to get. And some things I've been really fortunate and, and successful to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, But I have yet to uh, produce the, you know, (laughs) that picture of a dog that I have in mind. uh, And I think it's going to be like that for many years. (laughs) Well,
0: look, I, I, when I tell you, man, I there have been I, I like I've I've sat for matter of fact an hour and some change looking at your videos of your dogs, repeat videos, pictures, stuff like that. Like if you ain't got there, I'm scared to see what <laughs> what that's gonna look like when you do get there because good Lord, man.
1: We'll we'll get there, man. And you know, there's other factors to it too. Like everybody knows females are very important. Mm-hmm. Um I give just as much value to a female, as I give to the stud dog. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, you know, the right kind of female that you think could benefit your program will never be for sale because right. Nobody will want to get rid of her. Uh, and if they do, I mean, it's, it's not for my wallet. Right. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Um, and then when you buy puppies, you end up going through a lot of puppies because, you know, you come to realize that it's not quite the dog and there's it's not to say that it's not going to be the perfect dog for someone else but it's just not that piece of the puzzle that it's going to fit with everything else you know what i mean right um so you end up going through a lot so there's that factor too then me in particular you know like down south you can go to many places and look at dogs just in the drive Mm -hmm. to me here it's all online and on the phone talking to people and shipping dogs so our, our dollar is a lot lower than yours, so mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a cost uh, a factor to it, and and it's big. Right. Um, by the time we get a dog here, we've spent quite a bit of a dollar on it. Right. Um, so there's a lot of things, man. But uh, th- there's a lot of obstacles. None of them are make it impossible. Right. It just makes it more challenging. And I I do like a good challenge.
0: Right. So, well, th- there you go. Yeah. You know that yeah. that again <laughs> is why we're influencers. But that goes back to what you're saying, even about mucking stalls. Like you, it comes down to doing it because you love it. That's right. And That's right. the deeper we get into it, I mean, you 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 have to ha- be honest with yourself. But you have to be honest with yourself about the investment that you're making and you know my wife totally Absolutely. supports what it is that I'm doing she was just kind of like look i don't know how you're going to do it but these dogs need to pay for themselves yeah and you
1: have, yeah you have to have some sort of business sense to it too and mm-hmm. i i agree with her 100%
0: yep 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 well i uh i'm there. so you you mentioned judging and and i know you've got you know, a, a, a world's worth of experience in field trials, but I never heard anybody talk about the CKC, the Canadian Kennel Club, and 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 mm-hmm. how that's different than um, American field.
1: Yes, so CKC is is very similar, if not exactly the same, because the rules are, I mean, almost like mirror mm-hmm. with AKC. Um, it's, uh, it's based on the same frame as AKC, mm-hmm. the hunt tests, they have hunt tests too, the trials, it's all, uh, most of them are walking trials, right. um, you know, pre-release birds or planted birds. Um, it's very, very similar to the whole AKC game, right. walking game, um, which is, that alone is very different from the American field. Absolutely. Um, right? Um, and then you have your NBHA um, stuff and NASTRA, NAVDA. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's all kinds of venues. Um, American field to me was just the one that made the most amount of sense always, simply because it really combines that, you know, symbiosis of, of, of elements, which is the force humans and Mm dogs um and it just and we have the opportunity to not all of them but we do have the opportunity of hitting some some wild bird trials out west uh not all of them but um and and that to me makes it even more of an Mm -hmm. excitement because i do come from a hunting background right Mm -hmm. um so yeah it, that's how, you know, started with the CKC, uh, cause it's what was on hand. Um, I was pretty successful with the CKC. Uh, and then once, um, once I reached a certain point with the CKC, I felt that it was time to move on. And okay, and I just went on to okay. the American field game.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I, I, um, i I'd never hear about it, but I was like, okay, well, what is this? But it, it's interesting. So, Right now, I'm in I'm in a place where this is my dog's derby season coming up, and and we talked about something that was interesting the other day, man. Like mm-hmm. both of us come from hunting backgrounds, and I think the majority mm-hmm. of people that get into field trials usually come from a hunting background. Hunting, yeah. Usually, yeah. I mean, you get a couple that don't, and it just but we were talking the other day, and I was telling you about my dog's first trial. I was running him up as a derby, and we found more mm-hmm. birds than everybody else out there, but didn't place for nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and it's, 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 it's always that little itch in the back of my mind. That's like, mm-hmm. damn, I thought we were hunting, you know, not I thought we were hunting, but like, I thought this was about hunting, but the judges, and this is, I guess, the great thing for people that are willing to play the game in field trials, mm-hmm. we didn't even place because the dog wasn't far enough ahead, but he was doing his job
2: mm-hmm.
0: and finding birds it it was just our stroke of luck that the birds were on top of each other versus the fines being spaced out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just you, like, man. damn, I, how did I not play? It's,
1: <laughs> it's a struggle. I hear you. And I mean, there's been innumerous discussions, you know, going back and forth with that. And, you know, and then that brings on the whole how Ames is so different from mm. everything else and mm. all this stuff. But, um, it it definitely is, you know, I've, I've had a harder time thinking about it and looking into it. It was very odd for me in the beginning mm-hmm. um, that, that the race component in a dog in a trial was so valuable and in some cases more valuable than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Um I've heard many times, you know, older guys saying all it takes is one bird. One bird is all it takes. <laughs> <Ain't> it? I <laughs> you
0: know? mean, it's the truth, though.
1: It is the truth. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> I, it, like, like, I mean, what? again, like we we play a game. And in my opinion, I it might have been because of the whole, you know, trialing on, on wild birds, which you don't know where you're going to get them or if you're going to get into them. Mm-hmm. Pardon. Um, you know. We play a game with American Field that you can place a dog based on solely the race. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to have a fine, especially Derby dogs, right? Right. Um, and let's say there's there's a broke stake. If you're running on on a wild bird um, um, ground or trial, if it's a bad year. And nobody gets into birds. Mm-hmm. One dog is going to win.
0: Then what do you have? To, what do you have to judge on exactly?
1: It's going to be the race. Right. It's going to be the effort that it put in. And and w- when I say race, you know, for for people that don't really that not aren't really you know aware or familiar with the whole American field thing, it's not that the race doesn't mean you know it's not the same visualization as you know a greyhound racing with another greyhound Right. it's you know the pattern on the ground it's the range it's if it stayed out there in the pocket or not the way that it moves if it never if it was always to the front mm-hmm. never get, got lateral I mean there's just so much to it right and so much of it is natural mm-hmm. for certain dogs and a lot of a lot of it too is to do with the person that's behind that whistle yeah and, and some of those guys, man, I mean, they're they are so good at what they do in mm-hmm. terms of handling that dog. And they make a dog that didn't have that much natural sense to do some things. And they just train that dog to, to look like it's all natural,
0: right? Well, so that goes into what you were saying before, training versus handling. How, do, how does that d- define itself um, no, there?
1: It, it it's it's. Two completely different things, mm-hmm. especially at a trial. The bird manners, having a dog that handles a bird, as doesn't guarantee you that you're gonna have a chance at, at you know placing or winning that trial. Right, handling is is just as important, if not more important, I would risk to say, than than the whole bird thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my opinion, is also. That's the most difficult thing. Um, There's a lot of hours that have to be put into handling it. Dog has to create a certain pattern, and I see. I've never been to the Piney Woods. I just see a lot of stuff in the Piney Woods, and I mean, there's there's some of the trials, including Ames. There's some paths that you know the handler goes on, and some trials. I mean, horses are not allowed to get off that path, and they have to get right. Um, A lot of what we do here. There's none of that. Mm-hmm. So it, the whole piney woods offers a, a, a set of, of challenges when it comes to showcase a dog in mm-hmm. terms of the what we call the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and out here at west is it shows a completely different set of, of challenges to to promote that dog in the race that we can, right. you know, either train it to do or or it naturally has. Right. So. The dog can have, what you're saying, it can have seven fines, you know, which I've seen. I've seen dogs having plenty of fines, but that dog never really actually made an effort to get out he and get out. risk a little bit, right? Um, you know, kind of never had the, it. you know, a lot of guys say, when you see it, you know it. And it's so true, man. Like yeah. when you're watching these dogs, even though it has a bunch of fines, and you watch, for example, you just watch a dog have seven finds. And then the next brace comes and you watch this dog that had one fine, but you could not take your eyes off of it. Yeah. You just couldn't. Yeah. You know, the way he was moving, the cast he was doing, and it was like, holy crap, man, that dog is a beauty, mm-hmm. right? And then it has one fine, but it stands on that bird and locks up and it's just, you know, pulling in that scent and it's, it's just poetry and motion.
0: Yeah. Then. yeah. Um, you, like, you know it when you say, I mean, it just all comes together.
1: Exactly. And and even, again, going back to the whole component of handling, you know, let's say that all of that happened when the handler didn't have to be hollering at it. There was mm-hmm. no scout going back and forth, which there's a lot, and it's no detriment really. But I always prefer to see a dog that risks everything, minimum effort to 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 handle and minimum scouting yeah. to me yeah. personally, um, that's how I train, and that's the kind of performance I always want to have from my dogs. Right, um, and and it's and that connects to that what kind of dog you breed, right? So that's all in it, right? right. It's all it's all in the big picture. Um, but yeah, man, like the handling is is a uh, a make or break right. in terms of, of a winning dog. I mean, no doubt about it. It doesn't it doesn't relate to the whole uh, breaking of a dog on on its game. It's a whole different ball game in terms of of handling okay. a dog in a, in a field. trial.
0: You know, you 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 bring up a a, a very good point. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm curious to know what my dog would do running out there with your dogs if it would because I, I I mean, we've just never done it. So
2: right. Right.
0: Um, in the piney woods, though, our dogs do run different. So yeah. all I need down here is 260 yards. Like, right. That I don't. But 260 is, I mean, that dog ain't left your feet at 260 where you're at. Right. Um, What I have, and I'm torn on this man, but like what I see a lot of my dog does, he'll get out and he'll get out like a bat out of hell. Mm -hmm. But because there's so much interference with trees and unlevel ground and things like that, my dog has a tendency to do basically a big loop and will come and check for me. Mm -hmm. And usually he'll stop. But if he's not sure where I'm, I'll see him. He'll be following my voice and be smacking me in my face, like coming right back. And I can, you know, stop him where he's at and then push him back out. But that's, I th- I think maybe it's handler error, but maybe it's just the terrain. He does a lot of that. Like, okay, where is he at? Okay, cool. We good. Shoot back on mm-hmm. out. You know, and I can keep pushing him out through my whistle as well. That's something we also worked on. Um, right. But I imagine that your dogs, once they're gone, they're gone.
1: You know, it's funny you say that because, um, you're saying that you trained your dog with the whistle to push him out and Mm -hmm. stuff. And, um, my most successful dog. So my main dog here, Gunner, um, the one I was saying that he's, he's a through and through chucker dog. I had a lot of issues when he was younger in, in regards to that. Really? Uh, yes. And I mean, I started taking him onto chucker country in a year that we had chucker everywhere man like it was it was insane yeah we had birds within a couple minutes of being on the ground we were there was birds going everywhere uh so it was an exceptional year and it really promoted that bird sense to that dog Mm -hmm. right i mean he got into birds from a very early age every time he got on the ground right and that made a huge difference on that on that dog um but it never really encouraged him to get out and stay out. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So often he'd do exactly what you just said. And, and I've, I've had many trials when he was younger that he didn't get used because of that one or two moves he would do of looping and coming right around to me. Right. And so, you know, by watching a lot and watching who was winning and what these guys were doing and, you know, and I, Quite frankly, I, the, the first, and this is going to sound so rookie, man, but that's the reality. And, and, and this is, this is part of that, not having a mentor mm-hmm. and you're learning on your own. You yep. know what I mean? Which was majority of my years field trialing. I never carried a whistle. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? of all the things not to have.
1: <laughs> I never carried a whistle. So my dog's handled. Yeah. And I, Till this day, when my dogs are way out, I call my dogs. If I want them to turn towards me, Mm -hmm. I put my fingers in my mouth and I pop a big cattle whistle. Really? Yeah. Till this day. And I'm the only guy that does that. I'm sure. I mean, people know me.
0: But it works. People know
1: me on the the grounds where I go around because of it. (laughs) (laughs) And they know as soon as I put my hand in my mouth, like, cover your ears because it's going to be loud. It's coming. But. Because of watching so much and reading and doing all this stuff, you know, you're constantly improving and, and changing some things, tweaking here, tweaking there. And I'm at the point now where I can, if they're making a move that I'm not so sure it's the right move, I will pop a whistle. They'll start turning towards me. And then I grab the actual whistle
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I blow that whistle and they shoot out okay. so right from where okay. they are. They just shoot out. Right. So OK. I have now. Used the hand whistle to bring a dog in, not to me, but to bring it in
0: to get his attention. Yeah, and
1: exactly. And then use the actual dog whistle mm-hmm. to push it out. Okay. And that was something I had to develop because this particular dog, he did that. You know, it was just I I firmly believe that it was he had so many birds as a young dog. Mm-hmm. That it just we and you know I'd shoot the birds for him and as a puppy and whatever and it just really created that I have to stick around I have to stick around he would make a big move but he wouldn't hang there
0: he wouldn't stay out there yeah.
1: a move yeah, and then he'd come back around and and as he got more confident and you know and we worked through these these hoops because every dog even though even if you know anybody ever produces the, the absolute perfect dog every dog is going to have a hole. Mm-hmm. Every dog, for as slight as it is, there's always some, and and that was his big, you know, Achilles tendon, the, and we worked on it, and we managed to work on it good, and um, which pushed me to, um, you know, adapt and change things, and um, yeah, like fifteen years ago. Having a dog then, what I used to do then, and what I do now, man. A <laughs> night and day. Night and day, right? <laughs> um, and and again, it it takes longer when you don't have that mentor, right? But it's not impossible, and and I don't think that people should be uh, discredited for not having that mentor, especially when you actually achieving some sort of success. Which it all it means is it just took a little longer, mm-hmm. but you end up getting there too, right? right? Um, yeah, so handling again, most, most definitely an important thing. And again, that whole looping thing, like you worked on it for pushing a dog to go out. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was one of them, um, ever since one of my main concerns, you know, besides of the factor of having a good nose and whatever, and other things on the breeding program is a dog that naturally stays to the friends. Cause yeah. some will stay naturally, some won't. Yeah. Uh, and it just requires a lot more effort, a lot more time to to really establish that with a young dog versus a dog that naturally just, I mean, I've had puppies here. I can think of one um, that it didn't matter how thick it was open and if it would get thick, that dog would disappear. I just sing for him a little bit, he would always show up to the front at a very early age, right. always, always to my front. I never had to worry about We've had the others like that, but it's definitely a trait it, it sure.
0: you know it's something that i I definitely want to look for in my 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 next dog my female that I plan on getting um right. it's another reason why I wanna come through to your dogs but right. <laughs> All right, what do you think I'm gonna be feeding this next puppy? Now, I know I'm gonna get this next puppy from Boss Kennels. Now that, that, that's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna keep speaking it up, but when I get this new puppy, I'm gonna feed it Yukanuba Premium Performance the 3020 blend. I know some folks like the puppy formula, and that's great, and that's all good, but I'm going to keep all of my dogs on Yukonuba Premium Performance 3020. All right, guys, back to the episode. Okay, so when we talk about um, natural ability, we're we're talking a bit about natural ability, um, yeah. In in some ways or or another, but you're looking for a dog, but you tell me that you be looking for a mortlock dog. Oh, yeah. versus an all age dog. Now, everybody want an all age dog, but I don't live in Canada, so I will, I, uh, unless I get one of yours, I'm assuming I'm getting a Mortlack dog. So what? What? what is that?
1: Yeah, those are, I mean, you know, it's a term that I heard before I even um, ha- have the privilege of actually making the trip, a two-day trip for me on the road, but having the trip to go to Mortlack, and this year I will sadly miss it because everything got cancelled there. But uh um I've always heard that you know there's all age dogs and then there's Mortlock dogs. Yeah. And you don't really understand it until you either see it or you have one. Mm. Um and I just so happen to have one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um it's the dog I sent you the pedigree of so she's, you know, mostly Hugh. She's a, a, a mostly bred Lhu dog. There you go. <laughs> I got it from, from, yeah, I got it from Mr. Wiggins, Don Wiggins. Okay. Uh, I was very fortunate to, to be lucky with her. And from the beginning, I mean, I, I told Mr. Wiggins what I was looking for. and says, yeah, I got the puppy for you. And what I said wasn't knowledge. I said, I'd like a, a nice, crossy, you know, a good range type shooting dog pup, you know, so I bought this pup as a 4-month old pup and said, "Yeah, she'll be what you want." And she was everything what he said he she would be except she developed into being a mortlock dog. And 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 by this I mean she's been the most amount of success she's had has been at Mortlock. Yeah. Uh, as a derby dog, um, the first year she I actually lost her at Mortlock in a Derby stake, and she was she was kicking butt, man. She was winning it like yeah. hands down. And it was, you know, it was a bit of an error uh, from from Scout and whatever. And she was she's always been very hard to handle, um, um, in the sense that she gets so into not hard to train, but the whole handling thing she gets into so much finding a bird, uh, getting into birds that she especially when she was younger, I don't have that issue anymore. She's, she's, she'll be five this year. Okay. Um, but, uh, she would completely forget that she was with me.
0: Really? She She just wrapped up in it. Just
1: go, man, just go. And she would be, and, and if she wouldn't find birds for an hour, she'd go for an hour. Wow. Um, Okay. Right. So, uh, you know, last year we had a huge, uh, for me, in particular a, a big win uh, at an all-age um, championship. An amateur was the amateur uh, Mr. John Ivester won. Uh, I think he was he, he ran on the last day. I actually had to leave because it just prolonged a little bit more, and I had to because I I my trip is two days to come back home or to go there. Right, and I had to leave to get back to work. But I left very happy and just, it, of course, you want to win. But I just kept telling myself, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like She, she did awesome. Yeah. And that's all that matters, right? <laughs> um, but it, it was one of those performances that I know that in my lifetime, uh, it, it's going to be hard to see it happening again that mm-hmm. way. Uh, and by this, I mean, whoever's been to Mortlock knows even though it's a little bit different now, but the grounds at Mortlock are massive. Yeah.
0: It, I mean, it absolutely. shows a truly all age dog.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's incredible. And, and for how massive they are, they still present some challenges. Um, most definitely. Um, and this dog, uh, I mean, ran the limits of the course yeah. at Mortlock. Um, with some time that she was absent, but not once that scout was needed to go get that dog. Wow! Yeah, uh, he was always in the right place in case it was needed, mm-hmm. but he never needed. It. And I mean, most people were on the tippies on the t- tippy toes on their stirrups trying to look, and then That's they right, was spot her, And she was always way ahead, and she had. Two fines. Um, one was a quick fine. She slams on the brakes, and as soon as she slams, it took about a second, and chickens went up. Uh, the judges saw it. We still, we were quite a ways. We rode up, fired the gun, everything in order. And then the last fine, she was way out. It was towards the end of the hour, and it was one of the longest hours of my life, now. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but... It was towards the end of the hour, and she was way ahead. And all of a sudden, I see her just swap ends in the middle of the open and lock up. Wow! And I call point, and we're dealing with wild birds, so yeah. you know you never know if they're going to hold or if they're just going to. They're going to go, yeah. Right? And at those distances, it's easy to happen exactly exactly what what happened, which was I did call point. We started heading there. And the birds flushed way before anybody mm-hmm. got there. I saw the birds. Um, I think a couple other people from the gallery ended up seeing the birds too, but the judges never saw them. It was yeah. a hunt. Yeah, That's right? about and what so the judges they see. They don't see it. That's right. You can only judge what you see, and and that's fine. And I was, for me, I was so happy because she did what she was supposed to. Right. And I mean, and it was dead twelve o'clock to the front, right at the end, she was still like just as strong as she started. Um, I mean, it, it's something to, it, hard to describe. You'd have to see it. Yeah. But so that kind of performance in any other ground that I've been in and that I know, I would have ended up losing her. She Should wouldn't have, have gone. It, it wouldn't have. It wouldn't have worked. Yeah. And the proof of that is later on the season I went to Oregon. To the uh, Region 10 um, championship, and I lost her. Mm. And I only saw it, it had a lot more dips and um, ups and downs and canyons and bigger draws and more of the kind of country that we were used to to hunt in. Right. And I literally saw her off the start line. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> <laughs> That was it, man. And I hollered and hollered and called and get quiet because she tends to come find me if I get quiet mm-hmm. or kind of mm-hmm. see where I'm at. And I stayed quiet and I just kept going and going and going. And all of a sudden, you just kept that feeling like, this isn't good. This ain't
2: <laughs> it. Yeah. She
1: yeah. Gone. So, you know, I asked for the tracker and she was two and a half miles, man, in a mm. canyon. What? Standing. Two and a half miles. I had to leave my horse behind. The country got so, so if you would rock. I had to leave my horse behind and I walked and I just peeked over because the GPS took quite a while to actually pin her. Right. And finally it did. And I looked over and she's in a, in a draw of just rock and she's standing. What? And I mean, most people will think I was by myself. Most people will think that this is absolute bull crap, but I swear by all my dog's health that this is exactly what happened. I saw her way down um she was about 25 yards or so down in that draw and i mean it was like almost vertical just rocks everywhere she's standing and uh i kept calling and calling her nothing she wouldn't budge wouldn't move and so i started throwing rocks to try to flush whatever was there yeah and sure enough a of wild chucker flushed out of there What? I went through the whole process I fired the gun I'm like on the edge and I'm not going down anymore because it's it's gnarly yeah and I fired the gun I called her she comes to me her feet were shredded to crap wow like it from all the rock and all that and she was still let's go I got back to the horse I put the harness on it on the way out has another fine on the harness <laughs> <laughs> and she was busted like busted yeah. um and still like wanting to just so just to, again that, that statement of there are all-age dogs and there's in, and there's mortlock dogs now a lot of people would say well you know dog is a renegade she's not a renegade she did what she had to do right. she's that kind of dog that will push the limits and she might have taken that cast. she was exactly where normally we would find
2: mm-hmm. wild checkers
1: um, she did her job um but it was just not the kind of ground for it right um you know it, it just suited a dog that didn't push as hard and it's really the you know the definition of having a more locked dog and an all-age dog mm-hmm. um so it, you really have to see it to, to understand it. Well, um, you know, I, and, and it's a dog that I hunt with man. And as soon as, as soon as I'm packing a shotgun, yeah. cause I hunt on foot. I never lose her. Really? She I never just turns it off. Her. I get, I get on a horse and it's a different game.
0: Wow. You know, it's so many people that ask like, you know, that question and it's like, well, does, you know, how does the dog know to hunt? Further out when you're on a horse versus oh, they,
1: man, just... And I'll even tell you this: I, I do a lot of training on foot too in some of this kind of country, not yeah. on a horse but on foot. And they know the difference between when you're carrying the boomstick and mm-hmm. when you're not carrying the boomstick. Right. You <laughs> know what I mean? Because they will get out more, but especially if you're on a horse, they will tend to get
0: way out. Just get way, way out there. I I I like that. That's um, again a historical thing. That's something that. Robert Whaley emphasized right. in El right. I mean, and it's that's not a you know solely El trait, but yeah, it, it was yep. something in the breeding that he he you know went uh went to and I and and on that that same dog you sent we got I I, I think our dogs are cousins because that's that Damascus line you got right. That's
1: right. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. yeah. Yep. And and um Rockacre Blackhawk yep. too. There's yep. there's some of that too and yeah I mean definitely a smart dog and and, and mr Rayleigh, really, Bob was really valued that too from reading the his stuff was a dog has to be intelligent mm-hmm. they have to know how to adjust to whatever you know if it's on foot or if it's thicker country if it's more open they have to have obviously it 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 it, um, it encourages for that behavior the amount of exposure you give to a dog right but if they don't have the smarts if they don't have that intelligence they don't get, it. They don't and get if, it but if they do you can easily shape that dog to to adjust to whatever kind of country or whatever kind of handling you're doing right um which is also you know another factor from the, the dogs that I choose to keep for the for the breeding program without right. a doubt
0: well that's 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 dope man so all right, let's, 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 I'm am i I'm gonna hit you with three more things. I want to talk about you and, and your thoughts that align with Talmadge, uh, Smedley's, um, yeah. stuff. I actually just watched his interview on field trial central. Oh yeah. Really good stuff. Um, yeah. and then, and, and, and there's two stories that I wanted to kind of talk about at the end, but you, and, 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 and you, we mentioned Talmadge, uh, Tom and Smedley, as far as just y'all's thought processes are very similar, Y'all don't check cord puppies.
1: I don't. And I actually, I, I learned that about trauma through that interview. Okay. Uh, and it was interesting to me. I mean, I, I, I've had the pleasure of meeting him at a trial and we spoke a little bit on the phone too. And over messenger a little bit. Um, it's a guy that I, I have the highest of respect for. Uh, I think he's extremely talented. Um, he comes from a horse background too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. They, it's just one of those people that there's just something about Thomas that you just you know you want to get to know him, and it's just he's
0: just a good person. He he, he, he gave that energy in that right, like he just absolutely exudes absolutely. it. Yep, yep. yep.
1: Um, and and I learned that about him too. That the whole check core thing. I think it's, I mean, very seldom. Uh, cases of dogs that I think they would be suited to put a check cord on mm-hmm. but I mean I would I would risk to say over probably 90 percent 98 percent sorry 98 percent of the dogs that I've started and or work with I do not put a check cord on okay um I I, I don't for training right I don't see a purpose uh, I think it's added pressure that it's completely unnecessary, but that's me. Right. Right. Uh, I'm not saying it's wrong, but for my idea of, of training, I don't, you know, I know a lot of people have been extremely successful with the check cord and the uh, pinch
0: collar. Uh, you know, that's my thing.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and there's nothing wrong with it. Absolutely. It just, you know, some people like Nike, like Nike, some people like Adidas, like, you know, it's, you can you can still yeah you can still play basketball with both but you know (laughs) and be just as successful. But so it's just it's a matter of taste I I think. And to me, I personally find that it's a piece of pressure put onto the dog that I really see it as unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Um I think that just gonna plug you into uh I think that um it's uh the whole principle of the check cord can be replaced by an effective use of birds and I'm and it doesn't mean that it's wild birds right uh, it can be pigeons which a lot of my work here is done with pigeons right um, some people say that it's oh pigeons or but trust me man like when things are done certain ways, the pigeons are just as good. And, and to keep a dog tuned, sharp, uh, to teach a lot of things to dogs. I've taught a lot of dogs here that had the tendency as puppies to want to see that bird to creep up a little. Mm-hmm. To be extremely careful with them to the point where I've had them after going on to wild birds. And their first find of wild birds is dead broke, right? Just, and it blows my mind. So it goes, it goes to show that certain ways of using pigeons and so forth. Uh, and again, without a checkboard can be extremely effective. Right. Um, right. you know, I prefer not to put that element to the, the training process. I let a lot of the, the, the birds educate the dog, mm-hmm. especially at a younger age, I say nothing. I don't say, whoa, I don't, I, nothing. They get there. I have control over that button on that launcher and I'm going to make that bird act as close as I possibly can as if it would be uh, a wild bird. Right. Right. Um, and nine out of 10 times, probably even more, um, the dogs end up being steady on point as puppies with no pressure and they just know that as soon as they blink,
0: <laughs> it's gone. That
1: person, yeah, gone. Yeah. Right. So they don't even dare to look at me or not. It's they're locked and that's it. They're there. Right. And it just brings that much more seriousness and and um, uh, I think a bit of maturity too. That again, the pointer allows for that that much earlier on in a dog. Right. Um, right. right. And it's one out of tool that I don't find necessary
0: to use. Right. Well, I, um, I, I'm, I'm slowly adjusting my practices, right? Right. Like, um, I told you before, like I did a lot of barrel work and I, to this day would recommend it to anybody. I mean, it, it works, um, phenomenally, but I just want to do something a little simpler, Mm -hmm. you know, and for me, that's low posting and, and excuse me, um, it's things like that like being able not feeling like i got to go and unload an entire shed worth of equipment to train dogs right
1: exactly you know yeah.
0: um yeah. and 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 me getting better about my timing so i um i've got a bird launcher i've got pigeons in the backyard and stuff like that and i was doing really 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 well with my dog when he was young as far as using a launcher and things like that but i think part of it's on me, but part of it is him. Like he started figuring out, out that we're using launchers. Like I can right. get that much closer or, you mm-hmm. know, things like that. And my, it, it, you know, to my own fault, I, I just wasn't flushing letting mm-hmm. that bird go as soon as he, you know, hit scent. Um, mm-hmm. and, You know, he, he's a wild bird dog. I mean, he, his first, Hunting season. I mean, his f- literal first covey of quail that he knocked was like fifteen something birds. He's, he's a lot of, right. and everything right. after that, it taught him.
1: It just clued him, yeah. And yep.
0: and so I, you know, I'm I'm in a position where I'm like, well, do I want to, you know, get back to using the launcher and pigeons and stuff with him to keep him tuned up, or do mm-hmm. I want to just let him be because I know what it's capable on? And then he started getting sour on pigeons. That was the other thing too. Um. Yeah. On quail, he's. I mean, rock solid. Mm-hmm. But I, it's just that t- that dog, man. Like he's just like man. Points don't be as intense, and that's something that I've noticed with your dogs. Like your dogs, quail, you know, chugger pigeons, they're mm-hmm. always tight, high and tight. You know, and that was something that I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe it it it's something I need to go back in and reevaluate my practices on the launcher use. Mm-hmm. You know, and things like that. So, I mean, that that's something that I really, really like. But watching you train, like, is it doesn't? You don't have a whole lot going on. Mm-hmm. It's just the dog I, and the birds.
1: And yeah, another thing I don't like. We talked about this uh, before. Um, over the years, I've chosen, you know, through those little things that you tweak and you you adjust and so forth. I I always chose to, or just in the recent years, I've chosen to uh, eliminate any use of electricity Mm -hmm. on, on breaking a dog for, for the bird work. Right. Um, sometimes in the handling, if they, you know, I give them the opportunity, I condition the dogs to the, to the collar still. Right. Uh, you know, and if I pop a whistle and they don't turn on that whistle or, if I blow the the whistle and they don't move ahead, so I might use a little nick or. But one thing that I I don't use, and I know it's very popular, it's the flank collar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's extremely popular. That's, I don't. That's
0: another one for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And the only reason why I don't use it is, I, I it's not that it's wrong or right. It's just not something that I see a need for. Right. Um. I think you can obtain the same result personally with a collar on the neck. The collar was designed to be on the neck, not on the flank. Um, I do use the woe post um, with the check cord, Um, you know, not leading on, but I put the woe post and then when it's time to do the breaking, uh, I do use the woe post and, and do the, the whole bird work here. And I don't have them on the barrel. I came up with this, you know, pallet-like idea where, mm-hmm. you know, they stand on it and it makes them aware that they move the foot, uh, which, you know, I've been extremely suc- successful with and I'm really happy about it. But when I get them out there, the whole the whole collar on the flank, man, I just, there's things, there's basic things that, you know, it all, it all goes back to that, how you get out of them or you put into them. Right. If you take the time to actually do certain things and, and really put that foundation in a dog, I don't personally think that the, the collar on the flank is a need Right. Um, on the neck for the handling. I still use it any of the bird work even even out on wild birds if I have to make a correction uh, on the wild birds I try everything I can so it's hands-on mm-hmm. and it's never if I have to chase the dog on horse I will right do you know what I mean but I want that dog to have respect for me and not the caller right, right. Um, and especially when it comes to to the birds right. um, it's just an option. It's just a method. Mm-hmm. I like to do things as quiet as I possibly can, um, which is also something that I, over the years, um, um, seen a lot of DVDs about it too and read a bunch of stuff and just over over the years, you know, the more success that I've had is the quiet you are, if you've done your thing. I mean, sometimes all it takes to a dog is a look.
0: Right, absolutely. And they you know and
1: so or or some sort of body language Mm um you know a little step to the side will just tune them in on you you don't have to say a thing you know but that all comes to from that you know reading your dog type of Mm -hmm. um but yeah man like the whole collar on the flank, um the pigeons the check cord. none of it is wrong it's just what some of us feel more comfortable with and right. it works for, for, for other people. It works for some people and it doesn't work for others. Right? right. Just like every dog is different and you have to kind of adjust your method. Um, we're all different too, right. you know? Um, right. and, and again, I repeat it, man, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a different way. It's of just going the
0: way to, you know, it, 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 yeah. different strokes for different folks.
1: Totally, man. Absolutely.
0: So, as we end, I, I we, we've been on here and I could literally, I, I, I can tell you now, I'm going to be bugging you way, way, way more going forward. Um, <laughs> um, how in the world did you get a pointer in a field trial locked up on Ducks? On geese, Canada geese, on geese, on geese. How did that work, man? And did you oh, did man. you get points for it?
1: <laughs> no, I did not. But I, I'll tell you that it was the joke for the rest of the trial. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, yeah, what happened? There's there's out here waterfowl is is a huge thing. Right. There's there's lots of waterfowl and Canada geese are a big thing uh canada geese snow geese um and all my dogs get exposed to all sorts of waterfowl Mm -hmm. from from puppies because we have so much and so and we have a lot of ditches and and water canals and which promotes the you know a lot of ducks to congregate in there and and geese in the field we have a ton of hay fields so that once it's cut the, all the geese like to go at it and corn all the geese like to go at the corn
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, so when you run dogs when you condition the dogs and properties that i go to and places that i go to there's always a ton of that stuff so yeah. as puppies you know um that 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 particular dog that did that gunner um he'd like to put them up and chase them. And, you know, you always go like, man, this can't be productive because how am I going to explain to this dog that you can chase those, but you can't chase these. Right. Yeah. It's a, it actually makes it for one of the difficulties, one of the obstacles for living out here. And so I started, Take or facing the, those situations as you know what, it's a bird, a bird is a bird, and I'm going to expect you to point them and hold them and do everything else. <laughs> right. So every time we'd go, I mean, he'd be looking for ducks, looking for geese, looking for snipe, looking for anything that, you know, that would fly. And so we started treating the geese as in if they would be on the ground, he would see them, he'd have to stand for them, you know, and I'd go and shush them away and then I'd call them off and off we go the other direction type of thing, which is all stuff that it's good for a fuel trial. Right. So I go from here to the next province over in Alberta, and we're coming right around the, the end of the course, and he disappears, and we start coming right, riding over the hill, and he's just standing just beautifully. And there was a bit of a dip in front, and we couldn't see that. And I actually cold point, not knowing... <laughs> Yeah, and he, I mean he's standing just like, just like if it would be a turker on the mountain, yeah. right? And we start riding up, and I'm like, oh darn! <laughs> I, I see those necks poking out, and just you know, kind of talking back at him. And so the judge just looked at me and started laughing, and it just became the, it just became the, the you know, the joke of the trial because we have to come through that course again throughout the day and. And the geese were still there, and every time we'd get by, and he'd just look at me and say, there's, there's your geese, Sergio. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, it's it's one of those things that, one of the many memories of not just trialing, but um, things that you go through with young dogs and older dogs. And, uh, you know, if I'd be living in the prairies, I'd probably have a different set of challenges. Uh, mm-hmm. Or if I'd be living down south, you know, Piney mm-hmm. Woods, I'd have a different set of challenges. Yeah. So you just you roll with it, man. You just you roll with try it. to take advantage of everything that you possibly can to get those t- dogs as sharp as you possibly can.
0: Yeah, look, I I understand that, man. I that is that is the a uh, obstacle that we're dealing with now. Like where I'm living at now, for some odd reason, all the rabbits want to come out right now, and so yeah. my dog is like he like he won't chase them. Mm-hmm. but it's enough of them now to where he's like, hold on. Let I me mean, th- th- <laughs> that, that might be all right. Like we, and it's so hot down here. Right. We haven't done any bird work. Like you just can't if right. five, six o'clock in the morning, it's already 80, 90 something degrees. Right. And in the evening, it doesn't go anywhere. It's, it's just sitting heat. Um. Uh, you know, so so we, we have our challenges here to, yeah. um, you know, we got way less wild birds. I mean, we've got wild birds, but
1: yeah, yeah.
0: It's four hours for me to go to my favorite right. spot. So
1: I, I get that. Yeah, <laughs> I totally get that. Trust me.
0: So yeah. what what I want to end on, man, is is the, the the last story that you told me. And you had a dude hustling to a dog that was like, what, like 1,200-something yards away or something like that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I hear it all the time. You know, you get guys in and they just want to hustle, hustle, hustle to the dog. And a good yeah. one will be there when you get there.
1: I know, man. I had a group of friends. Um, you know, and I'm, I know one of them, Sam, is going to be hearing this and, and <laughs> smiling. Um you know we had a group of friends. I had a group of friends. I have this good friend of mine. he's like a brother to me um coming every year uh from the province over uh and he comes and we go chucker hunt and he's the one you know the one guy that had the dog that broke the toe and on, on chucker hunting and he always comes and and uh we we cast the dog off the truck first thing first thing in the morning um it was gunner. Yeah, and and he's just—I mean—he's gone. Um, and everybody's like, "Oh, where's your dog? Where's your dog?" And he's, he's out. He's doing his thing. And I'm looking at the GPS, and he's going—you know, seven hundred, eight hundred, nine hundred, thousand, <laughs> eleven hundred—and I'm and I'm showing it to Sam, like, "Look at this." <laughs> and he's—you know—he's like, "Holy crap!" Um, and he gets about to twelve hundred, and and it beeps. He's yeah. locked. Right. And and so I tell the guys that, you know, dogs on point, He's like where, where? I'm like, well, we have a bit of walking to do. So everybody's <laughs> wanting to, to hustle there. And they're like, well, we'll walk. I mean, we're not walking leisurely, but we're not definitely not running. Right. Uh, we're walking to it. And, you know, it, it was a those guys weren't used to to hunt over a dog like that so Mm -hmm. it was very mind-blowing to them yeah Um, and one of the guys hadn't had a chance to actually shoot a chucker yet and I think it was either the last or the second to last day of them being here and and I said okay I'm gonna have you guys both he's also Sam I'm gonna have both of you guys walk in when we get to the dog and you know you're gonna try and shoot a bird. Right. Um and so we did. But man, it was they got to that dog just huffing and puffing. Like, where's the dog? Where's the dog? Where are we going? <laughs> and we're walking. I mean it took us a while to get there. Um it wasn't the toughest part of country to walk through, but you know, there was a, a slope to get to it. And, you know, after days of Chucker Hunt, you're you're feeling it. You're yeah. tired. Um and so and actually now that I think of that day and Sam wouldn't, wouldn't let me lie on the way back. So we did that whole area there hunting and they ended up missing both by yeah. the way. Um, Chuck, the, the birds were still there. It took us a long time to get there. Birds were still there. Birds up. They go pow, 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 and nothing, which I always put a grain on my face. Cause I'm always thinking, Oh, well more for me. <laughs> <the> next time. <laughs> yeah. But, um, we did a whole, maybe a couple hours out there of hunting and on the way back, he pulls another massive cast like that. And on a, a, a top of a mountain and he locks on it again too. And we could see him cause he was right up at the top way out. And we could see this tiny white dot and they look at me and they go, there's no way we're going to go there. And I start walking I'm like, "Okay, hey, see you later. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> And I got there, and one of them actually came with me. Um, he was also huffing and puffing, and, uh-huh. and these guys— one of them actually smoked. So he was like, "Man, I gotta quit smoking." I'm like, yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, and we ended up shooting a couple birds nice. from that. But, but and that's the thing about you know, especially chucker, a bird that, especially at the end of the season, they get touchy man. They get spooky as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, And if that dog is a foot in front or a foot too close to them, they're gone. If it's not a dog that knows what they're doing, they're gone. Either they're gone flying or they put the afterburners on, man, and good luck. They just run. Really? Yeah. See,
0: and I got I, I, I to get out there with you now, man. It's so damn. much different. So yeah. much different. I,
1: I've had, he was the best dog I've had on this, but I've had. With my older pointer, the 14-year-old, 14, and even yeah. together, we've we've had situations where, I mean, they go lock on point, and I walk in front, walk for a good 20, 25 yards, 30 yards, and no bird. So I call him in again, and he comes running right past me, and he gets about 10 yards in front of me, and he, boom, locks again. And I know those birds are running, but you can't stop them, and there's no way to put them up, mm-hmm. right? And You don't want to send the dog to flush them either, so they just run, they hit the, the, the scent wall, and boom, they lock on it. And you walk in there, and you make noise, and they won't pick up. And I've gone—I mean, over a hundred yards of doing this, man. Just you walk and walk and walk and walk, and nothing. Wow. And on finally, you know, birds go up, and you get your shot at it. But yeah, especially late season, chucker will do that, man. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's not that you're walking on a straight ground, so you know they'll go down, they'll go up, they'll go up. A, <laughs> it's a year. <laughs> the adrenaline is driving you to just you've got to put these birds up man
0: <laughs> Man, okay all right well you you have sold me um i said it was on my bucket list but i'm, I'm gonna come out there um you know check your kennels out check out boss kennels um, Absolutely, man. and and, be, and and check out a pup and, yeah. and and get out there with what you hunting man so, absolutely, I,
1: it'll be an an absolute pleasure.
0: Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, and I have already told my wife, so we've gotten the clearance on that. Um, <laughs> well,
1: we know how important that is.
0: <laughs> you you gotta run it by a man, like. That's
1: right. That's right.
0: I, I, I told her. I was like, look. You said that my limit was four dogs, and I'm coming up on three in the spring. So I was like, "Look, when the borders open back up, I'm gonna be calling surgery." You know, I was like, I'm, "If I can, I'm gonna send them a send it with it." You know, send you that deposit early and, yeah. and just hold it, man. I'll be up there yeah, when the borders open bet. up. You bet. Well, you leave
1: it with. You, we'll get you a good dog. Okay.
0: All right. Well, that that's and I mean that because I, I seriously been looking for another pointer female, so. I, uh, I, I, I mean that. Um, but look, man, like I could literally talk to you for like hours on end and we're on a three hour time difference, but like leave, leave the listeners with something, man. And, 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 and how do folks get a hold of you?
1: Uh, the easiest way would be through my Facebook page. Okay. Um, you know, it's over the years, it's became more of a boss kennel page than just a A personal Facebook page I don't have to like a personal and but I try to keep it um to the dogs thing once in a while some family stuff will come up right um but you know just look me up on Facebook I've got lots of footage and pictures and you know the achievements of the dogs and uh how I do some of the stuff that's another thing like I don't keep it secret from anybody right um you know either the videos or people ask me and I more than happy if, when, when I have the time to, to answer but Facebook is, a, is an easy way I don't have a website because this is believe it or not it is a hobby for me Right. Uh, I have a full time job that I go to and um, but uh, or you know drop me a message on messenger I'll pass a phone number um, but yeah I mean nowadays everybody has access to Facebook
0: so right. it becomes pretty pretty easy pretty easy
1: um, i didn't, I didn't ask
0: horse. you this real quick you you're doing you're training horses full-time aren't you no
1: not no. anymore okay
0: okay i didn't clear that up you you okay no okay yeah.
1: no. i i used to do it for a living uh i don't do that for a living anymore you okay know, family comes into place and uh
0: you know
1: a certain stability is required as you mature in oh life.
0: I, I know that one i know that yeah. one you know, I so, I, I, yeah. I just I didn't clear that one, but my bad. I didn't mean to interrupt you.
1: <laughs> Actually, just to leave it for the end, I guess. But so I used to do horses for a living. I don't anymore. I still have horses. I still enjoy them the fullest. Um, I do have, you know, a regular job. I work for the the government for the province. Okay. But I am contemplating um, a big transition in in our lives um we're we're considering moving to the prairies oh and and starting to do the whole dog training as a as a
0: professional thing and so, and and there's the mic drop
1: okay
0: <laughs> all right now yeah that's a big so, move man
1: yeah it 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 is a big move it's just something that i know i would really enjoy i i spend a lot of my time you know, doing it, even when I'm at work, my head is wrapped around this whole thing. And, mm-hmm. um, I've had many requests to take dogs in, but I've never wanted to lose my amateur status. Right. Um, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I really want to enjoy more of my life and, and, you know, do this more during the day than what I do. And if I can make it as a, a way of living, then, you know, like I said, with all the requests I've had to take dogs in, I don't think it would be difficult, and I'll be.
0: Extremely happy to do it. So. Well, I'm a, I'm gonna follow behind your footsteps. You let me know how it is, cause yeah, man, trying to work a normal job. I'm a teacher and trying to have that and get up in the morning, take dogs out, do this. Get uh, oh, I know all about it. Man. Yeah, man, and now I got you know my son is doing October and my daughter just got here. Like it, you, you got to change. You're,
1: you're busy. Yeah, you're. you're... <laughs> You're gonna have a few years ahead of you where it's gonna be busy, busy for you. Whether yeah. that with the kids and yeah, yeah. But, but those it's are fun. good times, man. Those are very good times. So don't take it for granted because they they will fly. Okay, they will go by very fast.
0: All right, all right. Well, look, you you're gonna hear all about it. Put it that way. You know, awesome. you, you, you're gonna hear all about it. Well, Sergio, I this is. I mean, I knew it was gonna be dope to talk to you, but I mean. Seriously, Thanks. I'm on Cloud 9 talking to you, man. So thank you so Thanks. much for coming on here.
1: Thank you. Um, I mean it's it's an honor, really. So thank you for reaching out and for giving me this opportunity and and anytime I, I'll talk to anybody about dogs and horses and hunting and Okay. Right. <laughs> anytime with anybody. Um, you know, it's it's a way of living. So, right. and it's a joyful way of living right. so um, yeah thank you so much for the opportunity I really appreciate it hey
0: thank you thank you man well guys that's another episode of the Gundog Notebook podcast with Sergio Velez of Boss Kennels and we will check you guys out next week and as always, guys, I want to thank my sponsors—the the the, the the greatest folks in the world—are you and the sponsors um, that support this podcast. So Onyx Hunt, my title sponsor, I definitely want to give a huge thank you and a huge shout out there. You um, Uba Sporting Dog, guys, go check out the Premium Performance Blend. As always, like I tell you know everyone. Um, you know, there's dog food and then there's there's a premium performance. And you know, just like there's mortlac dogs and, and, and all age dogs, you know, the the, the Eucanuba is the mortlac dog of bird dogs, let's put it that way. It's just better. It's just just all around better. Um you know, guys, I also wanna thank my affiliates. Um, Lion Country Supply, um Garmin fish and hunt. And like I said, pretty soon we will have another very, very, very special sponsor um coming up on the podcast soon. Um, if you haven't, guys, I'm getting closer to doing a, a much more official launch of Minority Outdoor Alliance. So, you know, like I said last week and I and, and the week before, go, um, Go on Instagram and and go ahead and and follow the Minority Outdoor Alliance. Um, as I get closer to having everything that I want to accomplish on, on on a launch, um, you know, I'll announce more things there. But it's looking like we're 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 gearing up for a very very promising fall and a very promising future. Um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but I'm excited to be in a position and and, and be privileged to take on the responsibility. All right, guys, like I said before, we will catch you all next week on another episode of the Gundog Notebook podcast. See you soon.